road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. How many wonders in the world are there? Six? There are seven seven wonders in the world. Now there's eight. Profession Confession Podcast. With your host. Gabe Noah. Hey everyone, I'm thrilled to be here today. Wow, man, I'm jacked up because this week's episode we've got a funeral director. (laughs) Oh, what a ghastly job, huh? Um, No, No, he was. uh, Yeah, we're sorry. We're trying some new things. Trying to appeal to uh, douchebags. No, we. this week's episode, another fucking real dilly of a death, uh, dilly of a death pod show. <laughs> this is a good one, guys. Um, the Can only I hate reason this intro, love the it's podcast. not out this one is because we had the morgue worker last week, but I, it's not covering the same, it's covering death, yes, but it is not a retread at all. No. It's actually a great compliment to it. We just didn't want to put him back. To yeah. Back. Like the morgue Four worker was like the death. autopsy where this is the, hey, we're going to sell you a casket. This is like general. the embalming. So there's mm. there's tons of good gore. <laughs> um, there's, um, let's see, a lot of like, I, of course, always like to dig into the emotional stuff of mm. seeing people grieving because he has to do all that and then springing a big dollar amount on him and yep. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and here's your tab. Yeah, and um, and our guest uh, Jeremiah Tucker, mm-hmm. which is just a really good um, name for a yeah. funeral director, I think. Yeah, sounds like he's a big Larry the Cable Guy fan. Sounds like an Amish. Um, yeah, a little bit. Also, sounds like someone who would have sex with the bodies, but he does not. He does not, anymore. and never did. And he definitely could have. Oh, for, they just he could have thrown it at him. No one else is there. She wanted it. Could have done it. He didn't do it. He should give the credit. He should get the credit. Um, no, this is uh, just to see people cry, to be around people like emotionally crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, when people get hysterical and then you're bringing money in and family, like you're just dealing with people. Yeah. Like, who the fuck would want to be around that? Seeing, like, for some people, like the saddest day of their life. Yes. Oh, my God. Through that. Right, like, just no. to, like to bear that. Uh, we should have asked him about that. <laughs> no, uh, no, but um, it, it was just it was really interesting. Um, and uh, best of all, we were joined uh, with a guest co-host. We had the great Brian Miller mm-hmm. returned. He of uh, of our most downloaded episode of all times, um, episode fifteen, which is the uh, military, military special forces special forces guy. At least I think it's still the top one. Oh yeah, if yeah. Not, we'll. If not, it is now. Um, but uh, Brian Miller, uh, always uh, one of my favorite co-hosts to have in. You know, whenever Carmelicious is, uh, he's got a bit of a paint thinner issue. Yeah. I'm just putting my business out there. Yeah, sorry about that. You know? And also Jenkum. 
if you don't know what jankum is it's when you shit in a two liter bottle and then you put a balloon over the end of it and then you inhale the fumes that is fucking i know i don't know why you do that but (laughs) once you start but you'll beat it (laughs) i have confidence if anyone can beat it it's you yeah um so yeah so brian miller he has uh also i want to highlight if you're into uh reading fiction Brian is uh, not only a stand-up comic, one of my favorites, but he mm-hmm. is a, a terrific writer, and he has a new short story that got published and a few more in the pipeline. The guy's hot. Um, it's called Then the Monster. Shit, I didn't do that right. <laughs> then the Monster. Lucky me. <laughs> I didn't do it right there either, but it's called Then the Monster. Lucky me. It's on intrinsic.com. That's mm-hmm. I-N-T-R-I-N. S-I-C-K, like you're sick of Brian Miller and all his fucking success. Mm -hmm. Uh, So much success. Absolutely. So enjoy the episode. Good morning, Vietnam! Uh, This is a does double duty as a drive time show in Saigon. Oh, nice. (laughs) I don't know if I told you that. Um, No, welcome to Profession Confession, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Gabe Noah. With me, as always, is the... uh, Chocolate Unicorn, Kevin Pittman, (laughs) Carmelicious, and then uh, it's turning into a fucking radio show, isn't it, with nicknames and shit. Um, Joining me to my right is uh, the the Handsome. uh, (laughs) You really hedged on that. If you wouldn't have brought my looks up at all, it would have felt better than you starting to say it and then then catching it and going, you know what, I can't, even though it's an audio medium, I feel (laughs) like I can't get away with this one. People might Google image search. <laughs> Brian Miller, the hilarious Brian Miller. From, you, you didn't uh, hesitate on that, and that's what no, matters. That's, that's what you matters. You said that with confidence. Truly. Um, and from uh, some of our most downloaded episodes ever, Brian Miller is sitting in that second chair. So, you know, this bodes well for yours, Jeremiah Tucker. Tucker Jeremiah. <laughs> can't remember his name. Anyway, um, our guest, Tucker, uh, is a mortician, was a mortician. Yes, I was a mortician. But you're not anymore? Director. No, I've been out for about three years now. Oh, yeah? So. Did you gain one? Did somebody come back to life? <laughs> they sit bolt upright and like, ah, I got to get out. Nah, normally if people are in there, they want to get out and stay yeah. out. And that was kind of yeah. my case, too. I was ready to explore greener pastures and get out of the business when all was said and done. How many years did you do it? Ten total off and on. Um, six years of my life, I was really committed to it. It was my whole focus with my education. You're passionate about it. And then four years, it was just kind of helping out at funeral homes or helping out friends when they needed it. So Kind of a shade tree mortician. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Shade tree mechanic is like a guy who's not, oh, he doesn't yeah, have a shop, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. you know. Jeez, you're too smart, Brian. And actually, we should say that. So uh, when, I, when we booked this episode, I thought of Brian right away. And it's because uh, he has a couple of good jokes about being uh, – uh, the progeny of a funeral home yeah. dynasty. I come from a funeral home family. I'm yeah. like, my mom's whole side. That's the the whole thing. They still we still own it. Um, still a family. You know, fewer fewer and fewer true family owned funeral homes. They get bought up by these conglomerates now. Yeah. Like and but, why is that? It's I, like I, everything, man. Economies of scale. It just gets. Yeah, yeah. They just, yeah, just learned it. Like, how do you make it more efficient? You know what I mean? Where where are the efficiencies? I mean, that caskets with? stuff. You know, all, all the equipment stuff. You can get bigger discounts on. But yeah. but I think more more to what it is. I think is that you know these these companies they just take their time. They're big, and they see you know somebody like my grandpa is going to mm-hmm. retire. 
And every time a funeral home is open, they say, oh, would you like to sell to us? They would offer it to my grandpa all the time. They would just say, if you're ever interested in selling, just let us know. Sure. Um, just hoping that it, some someone within the family chain says, you know what? I don't want to do this. All right. We'll yeah, buy that one the cash Slow and steady wins stuff. the race, and pretty soon you own them all. And I suppose with that business, you're buying the blue sky, a lot of it, sort of. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you're not paying just for the equipment in the building. It's really like... A little monopoly in that area for a yeah, lot of Yeah, I mean, cases, you only need right? so many. We're in a pretty big city here. There's a bunch, but in like the yeah. town I'm from, I, 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 gosh, I mean, we're it. We're yeah. the monopoly. Okay. Just because there's five thousand people in the town and they have two funeral homes, so. When you, you grew up, was that like a, like I don't know, was that like a stereotype, like a thing to grow up with? Where like, oh, there's a funeral home kid. Or I like, mean, they certainly knew who my family you was. Get made fun of for it? No, no. I mean, not really. Never. No, that never like in a bad way. It was almost just like, oh, it's like if your dad was a banker and like, oh, his yeah. dad works at the bank. Oh, his his dad works at the water department. You know. Except you saw bodies. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit. I don't know. That's it's like I'm surprised having kids over like when you were young to run over to your grandpa's place and if I was a friend to that be, you know, when you're when you're eight years old you're terrified of shit. Right? So to go in, I, I'd imagine you guys chasing a bouncy ball through a room. And it goes it's not the shining. The but, <laughs> but, yeah, but no, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I certainly was terrified of plenty of things. Still am. Not yeah. a brave man. But um, I, I was, I've never been scared of dead people. you live the life of a coward. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. Uh, I've, never, I've, I've never been afraid of dead bodies. I'm not afraid of ghosts. I don't know about you. I don't, I've never heard a single funeral director have a single ghost story. Ever. Ooh. I don't really have a ghost story i have a fun story about when i pretended to be a ghost one yeah time. yeah but the, you never you never saw anything supernatural in all your days right no never all your saw dealings anything with the bodies. like that never how did it how did it inform your view of death like did it change one way or the or the other going into it i got a lot more spiritual over the course of it growing up really and, yeah i just never i don't know why that shocks me but it does <laughs> yeah i was never uh brought up in a religious home uh we never went to church or anything didn't really you know, none of my friends were of a religious aspect. So when I got into funeral service, and I'm going to all these different churches, I'm learning more and more and more. And then in school, they teach you more and more and more. And then I started to evaluate myself as the time went on. And then, yeah, I found a little bit of spirituality throughout the course of it. So I think it shows you the the value of ritual in a way yeah. that can, if you're if you're a church person, ritual is just attached to this ideology. But the funeral. My grandpa always used to say that the, I never got a complaint from a client one time because yeah, yeah. the dead, they're dead. They don't yeah. care. They never complain. They're totally fine, right? Yeah. Because the, the thing is the funeral is not for the dead person. They're the last person yeah. who cares. The funeral is for all the people to help them move on. It is it is kind of a psychological shadow play that you put yeah. on for all these people. But it's also really important because if people don't have those experiences, people will talk about they're afraid to go to funerals sometimes. And like then they'll regret like not going to like – see nana in the yeah. casket because it, it, it it's a part of that process of like getting over it mm -hmm. and like those are all real you know valid things i didn't i i didn't understand closure like i had been to funerals in my life but when our friend gus lynch died mm -hmm. uh, the, the great minneapolis uh, comedian and personality we'll say and uh uh going to his funeral and seeing his body was really important to me. Yeah, especially you know, because like, he and I didn't know it. He passed away it. in such a shocking and bizarre yeah. Yeah. way that it yeah. was like hard, it was already hard enough to wrap your head around yes. without some sort of abs or some sort of concrete evidence, some sort of tangible yeah. thing. Uh, for sure, for sure, it was so shocking. I think so. Yeah, it just yeah. Um, so going back to you becoming more spiritual, 
Um, for you, do you think it's because you saw the ritual or did you have a lot of experiences? I would imagine um, being in the uh, white tile, dank area where you work on the corpses and all that stuff. Um, where you're alone with it's them. It's not dank, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's dank. pretty bright. Yeah. yeah, it's actually really, it's like an operating theater. It's actually, it's like it bright is, tile, yeah. super bright fluorescent light, um, you know, stainless steel and chrome, you know, metal yeah. fixtures. I when mean, the it, lights are off. It really looks like though, a science right? lab. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's never dungeon-esque. Yeah. Extremely <laughs> empty. Every, every prep room I ever was in, I always had an echo. Yeah, they wanted to keep them as empty as possible, so you weren't mm-hmm. tripping over stuff. So. Oh, okay. Yep. So do you, but... Uh, the point remains. <laughs> After when Gabe conjures up his Vincent Price-esque fantasy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm selling a fucking thing here. Uh, where you're alone, I guess, are you often alone working on the corpse? Yeah, 99% of the, 99% well, 90, 90% of the time. 90% of the time you are. It depends on, you know, how much staff the funeral home has. You know, you'll get places that, you know, are pretty much body factories where they have, you know, 20, 30 people in prep room and they're just shoving the bodies through. They have one person go right. pick Fucking up the body. bullshit. Yeah. Kind of. It's like, yeah. yeah. No, kind of. But yeah. that's kind of what you are saying earlier yeah. when you're talking about funeral homes getting bought up. That's going to become the trend going on, you know. When I did work for private-owned funeral homes, yeah, I was by myself. I was out in the middle of nowhere. Came to Minneapolis, and then, yeah, you get a lot more of the body factories where you're around talking to people and everything. So. It's like Great Clips versus a barber. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, I've said this many times on the show before in different applications, but it's always relevant. But uh, if, if I were alone with a corpse doing that, I would be compelled to give it a, you know, if not just l- learn the backstory and research it, I would certainly be projecting and, and, like, creating ideas of who this person was and all that. Did you do that, or do you stay pretty close to just, I'm doing my job and thinking about that? Case by case, really. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time when I was doing it, I had to do it all start to finish. You know, I'd get the call from the family saying, you know, this person passed away. I'd go out and pick up the body, and I'd talk with the family and everything. And then from there, I'd start, you know, getting ideas in my head who this person was. And if I had that idea in my head, then I could treat the person a little different. And then, yeah, I'd maybe talk to that person while they're, you know, being embalmed or whatever and say, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, I'm going to get you looking good. Your family treated me good. I'm going to treat them good. Uh, but then Wow, you, you're <laughs> a terrifying dude. I love no, it's, it. It's I weirdly, no, I get it. It's important to remember that this, like, up until about 20 minutes ago, as it were, this was a person. And like, yes. it's, they're in this liminal state where their personhood is still pretty intact for the most part. And they're kind of transitioning out of that in a yeah. way. Partly through the process that you're doing, where you're embalming them, taking stuff out, you're making them like less of a person, but also making them look more like themselves. Of course, you're trying to bring them back to life in a sense. Yeah, it is. How do you know to do that? To like, you know, to speak out loud to them and do that. Like, was that something that, you know, I can see having that impulse. Like, like I said, I would think I would project all that stuff onto it, but I think like some sort of embarrassment or something would probably make it hard for me to talk to them at first. Or did you? Did someone train you? And they do that. I think it was natural. I okay. mean, I don't. I remember seeing other funeral directors do it throughout yeah. the course of my career. And um, like I said, they would just be there, and you would be alone in a prep room, and you know, you'd start talking to them. You feel, yeah. you almost feel obligated to in some ways. So sure, no, you know, it makes total sense. You're just blowing me away with it. <laughs> like, I mean, for real, that's the most human thing to do. You know, to yeah. sit and talk to them and to 
treat it that way. And when you say you're talking to them like, oh, I'm going to make you look nice, is it strictly like business or are you like, man, you're lucky you're dead because I had to deal with some (laughs) bullshit today like at the store? Yeah, you know, it just kind of depended. I mean, there was a lot of prep rooms where they had a TV in there. And, you know, if I was, you know, a big sports guy, like watching sports, I'd be sitting there talking to the body and be like, ah, the Pistons are blowing it this year, but good. (laughs) Let's get these Timberwolves going, you know? So it just kind of be case by case right. basis, and it was a lot of you know how I felt that day. Yeah. So would you really do that? Yeah, I'd like really... you you talk sports and shit with them. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. Well, and I'm uh, guessing um, I'm guessing you know obviously what a big part of what changes is like who is the bot right? Like if it's a 95 year old man who lived a long healthy life mm-hmm. and you're watching the Pistons game, it's different than if it's like a five year old. You know, yeah. that's like oh, the, yeah. that, that the circumstances of that change it the solemnity of that. Uh, the yeah, whole that whole pro- the whole process of a funeral if it's like a kid or yeah. a teenager or something or a mom of, yeah. of young children versus an old person you know it definitely changes the and as as it should right yeah, yeah for sure and and that's that's kind of one of the things that I was driving at with it is when you're alone with these bodies and you're you know knowing their story thinking about their story whatever did that lead to a lot of the spiritual moments sort of of you know sometimes when tragedy gets to be a certain amount to bear or whatever it's just natural to i don't know grab onto those things i guess i wouldn't know so much spiritually but professionally it was a great help mm-hmm. because like i said the more you knew about the person the more you could work with that person the more connected you'd felt with the decedent so you know if it was you know 95 year old man that say loved to fish mm-hmm. then you know when you're setting the features or everything you know i'd maybe cup his hand a little more so we could put a fishing rod or something in there just any little thing you could think of that you could take away from that and if really? you're right you were right you, if you're wrong nobody knew you would do that to you know in a sense sending him to his next life or giving him some artifact of his of the life that he lived yeah and, and what's did, another did you do the cosmetology yep i did the cosmetology that's a big there. part of it that people don't i yep. think realize yeah yeah, I did all that, and like I said, everything start to finish from the moment the person died till the moment they were in the ground. I took care of all. So of think that. about it, you know he, he didn't he did makeup. He did women's makeup. That's the thing you have yeah, to learn, right? Yeah, for real. I was at a funeral. Uh, it was at my grandma's funeral actually, and my I couldn't get my tie straight. My wife was messing with it. My mom was messing with it, and everyone was irritated or whatever. And then my uncle Victor <laughs> points at my funeral director. Uncle Richard, and he says, uh, "Richard can fix your tie for you, but you have to lay down first. <laughs> <laughs> good, fu- good fucking funeral home jokes like that. Yeah, <laughs> all death based. So I like it. What, what, uh, what are other examples of that? Like the cupping the hand. Like you know, what are things? What are what are other things like that you would do? The one thing that's coming to my mind right now is overbites and underbites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if people die, you know, generally you close their mouth, and there's mm-hmm. a procedure to do that where you have a uh, it's pretty much a staple gun that's just got one needle in it and you shoot the needle into the top of the jaw then another one into the bottom of their jaw and you tie it shut so when you got somebody that had a pronounced overbite or underbite you know you'd ask the family hopefully you know ahead of time so you're not doing it after the embalming it's like well when this person was alive did they show this feature off or did they try to hide it mm-hmm. and if they showed it off then show it off if they said they tried to hide it then yeah pull the lips down and get that jaw as tight as possible so because people send you pictures, right? Usually people have a picture picked yeah. out and they say, "This was mm-hmm. like this is what Nana looked like. Yep. like. This is how we remember Nana." And you try to match it up to the. I picture. hate to even think how people love shitting on me in like in my family because I'm such a loud asshole or whatever. So it's like I'd hate to think what how they would answer those questions, like for real. <laughs> can you can you oh, make him he smugger? He needs yeah, to yeah. be more smug. Yeah. Oh my god. 
What? What? <laughs> Is there any way you can make the corpse late? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so posing with like. Oh, they're the... gonna throw some fucking uh, McDonald's bags and Mountain Dew cans in there just right. so it'll it look like, like the my car. Of his car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like you say, like posing with a fishing rod. Were there any other like weird requests that people like? Oh, he liked to. I don't know, like play football, so make him do the Heisman pose or something. <laughs> not, no, not that I did. We had, uh, I'd heard a lot of stories about it. It's become more popular in South America where people are being posed on like motorcycles. Extreme embalming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extreme really embalming. Uh, the most I can think of is one family had asked, uh, put the hands not across the chest, but one up by each side. And I don't know what the reason was for. Oh, the that. crossed arm, the classic cross arm pose. Yeah, instead of the cross oh, arm, I'm doing that. No, I mean individually, like oh, right, like one on each shoulder, like, like backpack yeah. straps or something. Yeah, and I don't Weird. know what the symbolism behind that was, but they said, you know, that's what they wanted. So yeah, I did that, and it was the most like uncomfortable feminine, looking like corpse I ever saw. Mm, I don't know what that is somehow, but it's like a, trying to make it look like a fucking <laughs> idiot. Uh, what? <laughs> Interacting with families. I don't even know where to start with this. There's so many fascinating things. Uh, let's start. So I guess interacting with the families. To me, that would just clearly be the hardest part. Um, just because I can't stand when people are super emotional around me. It's very hard to, you know, how do you match that? What do they train you to do? To be flat and mortician-like? <laughs> you know, to be like totally emotionless? No, I wouldn't say that anybody trained us any way to do it. Everybody kind of found their own groove. Okay. Uh, what I personally did, and this may make me sound creepy, is I scouted the family as much as I possibly could. Sure. Any information I could get about the family from the time they called with the news of the decedent to meeting them at their home or the hospital to do the removal to when they came in. I was scouting the room. I was looking for pictures. I was looking for any bit of information I could get in and out of the family. So if, let's say, I saw a picture on the wall and they were a bowler, okay, I've got it in my head this person liked to bowl. Uh, I could talk to them about that. If they came to the funeral home and, you know, they were in a twins hat, I could talk to them baseball. If they were wearing, you know, New England Patriots gear, I could say sure. as nicely as possible, take your business elsewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> so it's kind of just one of those things. But that put me at ease so I could talk to the family, you know. So I didn't come off rigid and boring it's not you know everybody can say you know well, i'm sorry for your loss people see through that funeral directors aren't sorry for the loss every time right you it's impossible it would be impossible if you were right so i would try and make that connection anything i could get and then i'd you know welcome in them into the funeral home show them the arrangement room and then start talking to them just casually i'd say you know well i saw the picture of your loved one bowling was he a huge bowler was that just whatever and then we would go from there and while we were having the conversation uh, during the arrangements, there are certain questions you have to ask. Well, they're looking for somebody to talk to, generally. So I just start writing down anything that could be helpful. You know, if it was something like, oh, you know, you had two brothers that have already passed, write that down. That's going in the obituary. He was born here. Mm-hmm. Write that down. That's got. I used to write obituaries. Desk. That was yeah. one of my jobs. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so. I actually didn't even know. Not as a funeral guy, home. as a newspaper guy. Okay. Yeah, for years. Okay. Does the funeral home participate in that all the time? They have I, templates. You can. Yeah. It, there's different ways you can go about that. Okay. Yeah. There's. We always did our own. We wrote our own obituary. Okay. So I would get. It's. It ranges from. I would sometimes get just like the coroner's report. It would just be like age, date, survived by, and I would have to like shape it into a kind of article. Or sometimes you would get sure. like. You know, oh, Billy Joe Riley went fishing with Jesus yesterday. Yeah, yeah. The Rye Bowl, you know, kind of folksy yeah. sort of thing. The whole, the whole range. 
Don't you think when you're talking about, I think you, you brought something interesting about talking to the family and how eager they were to talk to you. Yeah. I think one thing that people maybe don't think about till they're in that situation is they're they're kind of relieved to talk to the funeral director mm -hmm. because this is one of the few people who understands pretty exactly what they're going through. And it's, you know, it's kind of like if your car breaks down and then somebody with car knowledge comes by and you're just so relieved that someone can come help you with sure. this thing that you don't know how to fix. Sure. Like you have this problem and someone comes by and you're like, can you just please tell me what to do? I just don't know what to do yeah. in this situation and I want to do the thing. And like, yeah, exactly. You become kind of, I mean, there's a, Therapy is an extreme version yeah. of it, but more of a mentor kind. Yeah, of. but They're there's a real, there's a real psychological assistance component. Yeah. I think, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And being calm, they're probably not dealing with a lot of calm people. <laughs> also, <laughs> you know, also so you're point. you're a beacon of calm. Yep. Yeah, to that point, it would have been all really clinical people, yeah. I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time you get to talk about the person as a person, maybe Ooh. rather than mm -hmm. you know just you know is he gonna live or what you know whatever that stuff. Yeah. What what. Um, in dealing with families, what are the, um, there's just something about pe seeing people grieve or an extreme emotion that is s incredibly cringeworthy to me. I you can't know? do it. Yeah. I can't do it. And were there ever moments like that where you just wanted to fucking shake the shit out of somebody or just where it's like, holy shit, lady, I've seen a lot of this, but this, you, you take the cake. Oh yeah. We had quite a few families that were extremely difficult to work with. Yeah. And the time that's popping in my head the most was uh, a lot of families have, or a lot of not families, everybody deserves a funeral. Sure. And by law, everybody gets a funeral. They're called uh, community funerals to the general population. In funeral service, we call them uh, golden rural services. And what that consists of is, you know, when somebody dies, they get money from the county, and you get the embalming or the cremation, the casket or the urn, the service and the burial. And I had one family that they found out, yeah, they can do this. We'll pay for this. And they wanted to work the system. Okay. And they got so annoying. They kept calling, well, maybe we won't do the embalming. Let's just get the casket and you give us the money for the embalming. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's like it doesn't work that way. And they would call the funeral home and they would try the same thing with a different director and so on and so forth. And. It finally got to the point that my manager at that point just had to tell him, like, no, we don't make exceptions. And like, well, we don't have a lot of money. We don't know what to do. And they're like, you don't have to pay anything. Right. Yeah, but if we can get that money for this, that would help us. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And it just it got really, really tedious. Yeah. I want to get my, uh, you want to help my them. furniture store off the ground. <laughs> you know, like can you really be is... buried without being embalmed? Yeah, he can be buried without being embalmed. That's a cultural thing, right? Because yeah. some cultures don't do that. Normally, uh, I didn't see a lot of it, but usually Jewish and Muslim families. See, Muslim, yeah. 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 I know it's, Muslim with, in Muslim families, it's all about, it's very important to get the funeral done very soon. Yeah, right? within 20, or a lot of times before sunset. Before sunset, yeah. Before it happens, so. Um, the week before this, we, we did um, an interview with a so an autopsy tech or morgue worker, and she said, I, I was shocked to hear how many people call the morgue and ask if they can come watch an autopsy or just see a body. <laughs> Oh, not like the family member, like, no, right, like so random people. Like a random, random people. Psychopaths. Did, did that ever happen in your not that I, homes? Not that I can recall so much that anybody ever uh, requested, but you'd have friends of uh, family or whatever be like, well, if I can ever get in on that, I'll get in on that. You know, it's like, well, keep you in mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in a steady set of hands. Yeah. 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 When, we're, when we're slow and I know nothing else is going to happen, I'll call you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you'd never meant you'd it. Never, or uh, people showing up like a... Wedding crashers kind of thing, like funeral crashers. <laughs> no, nothing like There's that. Be a great so. part two to that series, actually. <laughs>
Actually, isn't that the end of the movie? The guy is like upped his own dosage, and now he's probably the original wedding crashers. Yeah, the original wedding crasher. It's Will Ferrell, and he's going to funerals now because he like burned his receptors yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a good movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, what? Uh, working with family members and stuff, stuff like that too. Then, how about just sitting by people, going to shit, breaking down, crying? Was that ever just? I don't know. Would that get tiring? Would that get? Do you no. ever have to remind yourself, like, oh yeah, there's a human being. I got to snap out of this. Honestly, I'll probably sound callous when I say that. When those moments happened, the funeral director wears a lot of hats, and you had to juggle a lot. And for me personally, I was symp- sympathetic to the person that was having the troubles. But I got 50 other things I got to do. So when it would happen, you know, somebody's breaking down, crying, I'd sit there and talk to them for as long as I could. 50 other things I got to do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'd never say that. Right, right. You know, in the back of my head, it's like, where's the pastor? Yeah. You know, yeah. He's, he's got one thing it's to do. Yeah. Does she have a sister yeah, or a close exactly. friend who can come yeah, hang yeah. out here? You know, that, that's what I would do. And then, you know, when somebody else would come, you know, it'd be like, I'm here. Find me if you need me. I'll help you with anything. And then go about my business. And if it came back to it, they needed me, I'd be there. But like I said, you had to juggle it one way or another. What's the biggest freak out, individual freak out you ever saw from one person? Anything ever like, like throwing themselves on the casket, not my baby type stuff? I saw a security guard pass out one time. What? Yeah, Man. that was... The security uh, at, at the, the funeral? funeral? No, 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 no. That's no. <laughs> pretty rowdy. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't at the funeral. Uh, what it was was I was at a morgue at a major uh, hospital in a major metropolitan mm. area. And this poor gal, it was her first night on the job. She was still in training. She didn't even know how to get to the morgue. And well, they, I know one way. Yeah. <laughs> so they guided her... Uh, they had guided her through the radio and everything, and we go into the morgue, and there's probably 15 bodies there. And it's, it's not like it is in the movies where they're in the walls. Yeah. They're, oh, they're yeah. just on slabs, you know, yeah. uh, clinical carts to be rolled in and out. And some of them are body bags. Some of them are just wrapped in sheets. But I'm looking for the one, and I'm noticing this girl. She's kind of standing by the door. She had never been in there before. And I find the body, and I wheel it to the door and everything. We go out in the hall, and I'm looking at the body. And one thing all funeral directors do when they first get a body is inspect it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking for damages. It's like a rental <laughs> car. Sorry, yeah. but that's no, just like a rental yeah, car. Yeah, look, yeah, look, there was a ding on the front, <laughs> and it was missing a toe, and damned if I'm taking it when that filling it. Do they wear those, like, female body inspector hats? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm an actual body inspector. Why does everyone laugh when I wear this hat? <laughs> well, no, essentially what it is is... Uh, First off, you're looking to make your job easier. You're looking for anything that'll help you in the process. But you're also looking for, you know, damages to the body. So if, you know, you're pulling them out of a, a nursing home or something and they have bruises, you're raising red flags and you're calling somebody. You're like, you check and make sure that these oh, nurses weren't yeah. beating on them. If they have a bruise, you make sure that's in their report. So the inspection is part of it. And in this instance, I was looking at the body and he had kind of a yellow tint to him throughout his face and everything. And that's big when embalming. Uh, Because they're usually considered jaundice, their skin turns Mm -hmm. yellow. And, well, I'll get to that later, but in this story, the way you definitely check to make sure somebody's jaundice is you open up their eye. And if the white of their eye is yellow, Mm -hmm. then you know they're jaundicey. So I was like, oh, I wonder if this guy's jaundicey. And I open his eye, and that girl's watching me, and you just see her face, just kind (laughs) of all the muscles, you know, go weak. And she starts to grab onto the side of the, the cart, and she goes against the wall, and then just... Bit it right, right down on the 
woke her up and she was crying. I don't want to do this job anymore. See, if you're really mean, you'd put her on one of the slabs and wrap right. her up, yeah. and she wakes up and you're like, oh! <laughs> right on some uh, Dexter. Time. Yeah, exactly. When when they um, so that was more as a morgue employee, right? That you would uh, that you'd look for bruises and stuff, or is that yeah. in the funeral home too? No, that's all funeral home, yeah. Uh, oh, it is, okay. Because I forget the term, but yeah, we were obligated to report any suspicion. Because, you know, let's say, you know, 90-year-old woman dies at her home. They're not going to the morgue. Nobody's coming yeah. to get it. But if you find a bloody bruise on the back of the head, okay, then maybe somebody did something to get grandma's inheritance or something. Did you ever feel like you, you know, uh, led whatever solved the murder mystery no, <laughs> or whatever no. or at least put them on a trail no there was only a handful of times where i even felt maybe i should say something and it always led back to you know the nursing homes had it documented sure like, they'd fall in the day yeah before. they would yeah. fall or you know they had bed sores because you know the nursing home was understaffed and they couldn't be flipped so right yeah i never came across anything malicious like that but yeah i did see see some things that raised some red flags how about the like the financial aspects of funerals and home? Like, what was that like? Spring, springing the dollar amounts on the families. That's actually something that they have laws for, and it helps us out. Anytime you walk into a funeral home, and as far as I know, it's in all fifty states, mm-hmm. um, and you're there to make arrangements, they have to hand you what's called the general price list. Within your first five minutes through the door, you have to be handed that, and that has everything itemized. This is how much it costs. This is what it's going to be. If you need assistance, here's what it is. So when families would get that, you know, nothing I can do. I'm sorry, you know. What are the average prices? Right now it's running between about $10,000 and $12,000 per funeral. Okay. So, so, what, what, so when you say, sorry, there's nothing I can do about that, these aren't government-mandated prices, though, right? No, they are no. prices that are... They're set by the funeral homes. So right, yeah. right. But... I was never an owner. I was never a manager. Right, right, so, okay. Yeah, but there are parts of it, right? Like the disposal. Well, there's like government regulation, so it's like you guys have got to, you guys have got to be the disposing of, of, you know, blood or body, certain things like that, and you know, mm-hmm. and and that costs a set amount of money that's governed by OSHA and the EPA. Yep, sure. So the, the, it, it's you know you can break I the can... math down on that, oh, and it's sure. like it's not just like oh it's not going to mechanical like well we thought we'd take three hours so we're yeah. blue we're yeah. blue booking your granny. It yeah. it just it's it almost sucks being a <laughs> or Kelly, funeral home yeah. type thing like. If you're making a bunch of money or, like, you made a big fucking boat, like, you can't even, in a way, take your family out for a big time and go, like, hey, we're fucking raking it in this way. Like, it just <laughs> always looks bad. I used to do yeah, a joke. Know. I said our Christmas presents were always better if flu season hit early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I see, do, do you, like, would you wish for more people to die? Because like, like, then business is going to pick up. You're going to make more money. You're like, gosh, I'm late on rent. I need to get a couple more dead bodies through the door. Me personally, no, because I was on salary. I was getting oh, paid okay. either way. But I had uh, a funeral home owner that I worked for. I specifically remember him like to say, and it's like, we need people to die. You know, I don't care if you have to steal business from the funeral home down the street. Get bodies in here. <laughs> really? Let the bodies hit yes. the floor. Let's, <laughs> that just plays on a loop. Yeah. That's, oh, that'd be great, like, at lobby music, just right. really quietly. <laughs> and, you know, he was frustrated. He had a business to run and everything. Sure. And, you know, nobody hopes anybody dies, but everybody hopes their business is successful. Right. So. But if somebody slips and falls down the stairs, you know? Well, yeah, as long as we didn't cause it. Yeah. You know. I remember asking my grandpa about that one time, and he said uh, he'd been doing it for decades, you know? And he said, uh, he's like... You know, that's the thing about this business. We're always going to get clients eventually. You just, 
He's like, it's, it is what it is, you know? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes six days go by, no one in town to die, and then three people die on the same day. Yeah. And it's just... The, so, the... Really, honestly, what you hope for is that they don't all die so stacked up. Exactly. That yeah. you have to... You're having... Trying to... Because then you have the, the chapels in use because one family's got the visitation, and you're trying to get somebody in to make arrangements. And, yeah. You know, juggling the... the that's the hardest part, yeah. really. The morgue uh, lady we had in, well, um, she, was, she was adamant that... So their joke was that the cooler wants bodies, and that like yeah. if the cooler got down, she's like, if it was zero bodies, it was like, oh man, something bad's gonna happen, because there'd be sick. She said she was adamant that there's a leveling. Like if you're slow one week, the next week mm-hmm. is absolutely right. going. I think to it's have just like statistical. Yeah, it is what it is, yeah. right? Right. Did you see a, like yeah, see the same thing? It's exactly how it is. You know, yeah. feast and famine. There's mm-hmm. week or two, you do absolutely nothing, and then yeah. the next week you can't even fit bodies in the prep room. And what do you what do you do when you get super overwhelmed in those situations? Like, I mean, do you have to tell families like, look, busy time, you guys got to wait a week for your funeral or something? Yeah, we'd have to do like that. We'd have yeah. to postpone funerals and everything, and that that can be tricky because there's a certain amount of times where you have to have funerals. You know, bodies sure. have to be embalmed within three days. If they're not, they have to be in the ground or they have to be cremated. Okay. So oh, when you had a, I didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, other things too. I mean, once the body's embalmed, it'll sit forever. Really? So I want them f- okay, that's hyperbole. I didn't mean to say that. Lennon's done well, though, yeah. Yeah, when it's done well. We had actually one time kept a body in the basement of a funeral home for over a year. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, Whoa! I knew a funeral director Why? who had a guy for close to that because his family was building a, a really elaborate private mausoleum. And it took them a really long time to get all the permitting. I mean, they built a mausoleum right. on their private property, and it took a really long time. So the funeral director that I knew just, I mean, they just, all right, we'll, we'll keep we'll it for you. Them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, in this instance, I don't remember the circumstances exactly why we had to keep him, but one of the family members who was overseas wanted to see the body. Said it was a yeah a year after we had embalmed this decedent, and they came and we opened the casket and everything, and you know he didn't look perfect. You know he's really he was really characterized. You know, you know so really what characterized. Okay, what's like that? Your main features yeah, your main get, features you get, are sticking out. You start so. to get like, you start to get thinner and like desiccated. Yeah, so like, yeah. your ears and your nose and certain yeah. things kinda of look bigger. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You could tell it was him and you know, an instance like that, like somebody has big cheekbones, they're gonna stick out. If somebody had a big jaw, that's really gonna be pronounced. So yeah, when that gentleman came to see the decedent, you know, we just did another coat of makeup and presented the body and he was in the ground in the next day. So so I'm gonna ask this because it was a great it was a great question I saw on our Facebook where we post whatever who's coming on audience ask questions joey vincent from the uh, filter free america podcast uh, asked a good question what is the um most damaged body you you ever saw have a open uh funeral open uh casket funeral you know that's actually something that happens quite often it's you know there's farming accidents and everything but the one thing that really happens when you get a body that is fairly damaged is when you get organ and tissue donors because when they do that they take everything out of the person they they take out the ribs they take out the stomach the heart they take all the bones out so when the decedent comes yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like an empty bag yeah Yeah. that's exactly yeah Yeah. it really is because like we had a lady that was a cornea harvester and she was talking about the skin and bone removal Mm -hmm. people and how they just like twist and it sounds like somebody like pulling apart chicken wings and then they shove like a broom handle yep. back in there to they carve the flesh it. off like like yeah. with a fucking electric Ugh. razor almost like mm-hmm. I mean, that's something i could never <laughs> I know. I could yeah. never Just, do that myself so when like seeing those bodies that kind of change how you feel about 
being an organ donor? Are you an organ donor? Or? I am, and yeah, I always did. I was I always remained an organ donor. I always considered it, you know, an act of love that you give to yeah. the world. For, so. for sure, it is. So. But, I always thought that they should make people. Everyone should be an organ donor by default. And when you go to the DMV, you should have to be like, "No, I want to keep mine." Yeah. Like, you should have to look someone in the eye and be like, "That little girl doesn't get my liver." Listen to that eyeball removal podcast might change your mind. Right. She was telling stories about orderlies because, or you know, once you're dead. To See, the I don't hospital, care. Once I'm dead, I'm dead. I don't care. Well, wait, you hear this? They turn you over to the orderlies, who are the lowest dickheads at the hospital. So they're generally. I'm sure some are geniuses, but whatever, a bunch of <laughs> yeah, morons. Right. Unless they want to come and on the then, show, right. have good stories. And then they like, she's like, they throw the people on the table like a sack of potatoes because all the doctors, nurses, they all just turn their uh, it's dead now. And he said that they would. There was a 15 year old kid who died in a car accident, and the orderlies like threw the body on like, oh, I bet you, I bet you wish you wore your seatbelt now. <laughs> like all that fucking, like I'm getting shit talked while I'm dead now. Right. I expect that to happen. Fuck that. <laughs> What do you, how about that, actually? Do you ever have sex with the bodies? <laughs> no, no, never interested. That's the number one question okay. that I used to get? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you what, seem like, like the kind of guy who would. That's how you'd get that. Dude, has that ever happened to people? Ever you'd get that question. Yeah, people. I remember, being, I, was in a, I remember really clearly, I was in a video store with my dad when I was like eight, and there was this lady, I shouldn't say her real name, there was a lady in town who was just a really crass, awful woman, and mm -hmm. I was like renting like Mighty Ducks 2 or something. And she's like, oh, you're that funeral homeboy, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, she just, she asked me the way you would ask, like, like the way I would ask you, sure. if, like, hey, you know of any good uh, strip clubs around town? Sure, here, sure. Here? She's like, hey, by the way, uh, you guys ever, do, do people have sex with those bodies? And I'm oh like, I'm God. like eight. To an eight-year-old? Yeah, and but I was a pretty dark eight-year-old, and I also knew she was an idiot. So I was like, oh, yeah, all the time. And she's like, what? Oh, yeah, standard. I mean, why else go into the business? Anyway, I'll see you later. Yeah. And then uh, that came back to bite me. Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my family wasn't happy bad, about yeah, that that's joke. Bad advertising. <laughs> <laughs> we don't fuck the body. We just put on the clothes and walk around. That's it. Fashion show. Right? Is it weird? So and then this is one I ask all the time too. But you're around. I was looking at autopsy pictures. I was looking at embalming uh, videos and stuff t today. And all I do is I just look at the naked bodies. And I'm not saying like even in a sexual way. I just. I'm drawn to like looking at people's bodies and be like, oh, that's what his body is. It's nothing like. perverted. I'm just yeah. drawn to looking at naked right. dead yes. bodies. It's nothing it's weird. Like, at, like, look at the size of his nipples or her nipples. Like, I don't know. It's maybe whatever. Maybe on a watch list. Maybe. Maybe. But I, I don't I, I'm watch not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying as like a sex. It's weird to see people's bodies. Biggest pair of tits you ever seen? Biggest pair of tits I ever seen. Not, well, fat chicks. But not yeah. yeah. The most memorable set of tits I ever saw was uh, I've never heard it, had anyone rephrase the question. But, yeah, thank you. The most memorable one I ever saw was at a morgue. We were dropping off a body, and uh, the morgue tech there, she had a nice little figure on her and her scrubs, and it was a lot of fun to look at. A live lady, you're saying? Live lady, yeah. Oh. Dead body. No, no, this is a morgue tech. Oh, okay. When know? do um when they do embalming, do 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 you guys remove like implants and stuff? Do they leave silicone implants in and stuff? I I assume. No, uh, embalming don't remove anything. Embalming, okay. all you're doing the is the blood. Yeah, the blood. Yeah. Yeah, good, good point. Thanks I for making me so. look stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so embalming is just taking blood out and putting chemicals in. New fluids yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, you open a open a vein and you open a artery and you pump into the artery and let the Can uh, you vein... actually can you describe the process? Yeah. Is it yeah. I mean the most basic is what you're trying to do, you know, if you get no body that's autopsy, just a regular body is uh, you're looking to find the artery in the vein. And you know, most normal places are the carotid and the jugular, you know, right by your clavicle or 
the femoral, you know, right on the inner part of your thigh. Those are the biggest ones and the easiest to get to. So you just cut a slit maybe about four inches long or so, and you kind of pick away at the viscera and everything in there, tendons, fat, anything. And it's not like it is in the textbooks, you know, where they're red and blue. It's actually kind of purple and tan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, oh, you just yeah. yeah, you just go by feel. You stick your hands in and you just kind of wiggle your fingers together. And when you find them, if you do it long enough, you're trained, you know exactly what it feels like. Sure. So you tie some string on them because if you don't tie them off, they're gonna they're stringy. They're gonna bounce right back in. Mm. Okay. So you use that so you can keep finding them, and then you just cut a little slit right in the artery. Uh, you take the embalming tube, you stick that in there, and then you cut the vein and you pump our embalming fluid in through the artery, and it comes out through the vein. It's the most simple way. What does it say? so with, to pump the stuff in? Is it like a switchy hit and it goes like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like kind of, it's a it's a machine called a centrifugal pump. Okay. And what it is is uh, it's basin full of water, and then you just turn it up. You know, depending on the body pressure and uh, settings and everything that that way and. Uh, it pumps the water and the, the embalming fluid through the veins and everything, and then you just rake So that's it how you made extra money there? Because you just slipped, he said. Uh, you pumped the water. I, I mean, <laughs> embalming <laughs> fluid. You've got to cut costs. <laughs> like those, the, putting the wood grain alcohol in those port, yeah. Costa Rican yeah. uh, booze bottles in the hotels. Or <laughs> what, what, what is, um, you know, do you blow, this is a weird question to ask, but do you blow out blockages in their veins and shit like that? Like, like do you see stuff come through on the other side? Yeah, you see a lot of that. It looks like chicken fat when it comes out. Really? Oh. Yeah, it's just wow. Because uh, there's, you know, like I said, I want to want to try and make this as simple as possible without, you know, glossing over anything that is important. But you you're trained to watch the body, and you're trained to see, you know, you look at the arms and look at the legs. You can see the blockage, and you know, you massage it and hope it comes out. And then, <clears throat> for so you the see a little balloon. <laughs> No, you're looking more for like the color of the veins. So it's like the mouse eating like the or a snake eating a mouse, and you see it like going. Yeah, through yeah. The, <laughs> no, like I said, it'll be like a different color. It'll be you know, you can you're trained. You know, you see what's embalmed. You know, part of the arm will be, and then everything below that, you know, will be the same color. So then, uh, what you do is they have these really long tweezers. They're about that long, and you stick it's them in like the vein. A foot or yeah, yeah, about inches. a foot long. Sorry, okay. I forgot I was on the radio okay. here. But you take that and you stick it in the vein and you just move it back and forth. You open, you just keep clamping, open back and forth, keep clamping. And then eventually you're going to clamp onto that thing that looks like chicken fat. And when you pull out, it's just kind of a surprise. It'll be there and then it'll just flush down the drain with everything else. So Hold on. So you're, you're – are you pinching it through the skin? Is that what you're saying? You're through saying? the vein. Like the the vein you open, you yep. stick the tweezers down through the in the vein. vein. In the vein, yeah, directly in the vein. So if you start putting it in on the left or whatever in the uh, whatever clavicle, and then the blockage is down in the thigh, you know what Gen do you do? Generally, it'll move through. Okay. But like I said, it's case by case basic. If you, you know, know. just turn up the horsepower and <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, that that, that, that is one of the things yeah. you can do. Yeah, it is. But a lot of the times, if that doesn't work, then you know you move from the neck to the leg and you get as close to that blockage as you can. And then, yeah, eventually you're going to get it. And then if by some chance you don't, then you just hope that that part of the body isn't, you know, being shown during the funeral service. So. What's the biggest embalming accident that or disaster you've question. ever heard of someone having? I'm guessing yeah. you probably... how do you fuck it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, you probably haven't... I mean, if you have a good one for yourself, I'd be curious. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you probably heard about something more extreme. Than... Oh, I'm sure I've made a lot of mistakes. But the time I can think of is when I was in school to be a mortician. We also had to... Uh, or there were some students that 
helped embalm cadavers for medical students. So they would embalm them and they would preserve them and then the medical students would go through and they would dissect them and everything. But they had to be preserved so they could last a couple years. Well, somebody uh, turned up the pressure a little too hard and walked out of the room and when they came back in, there was a gigantic bulge in the lung and on the right side of the body, the shoulder was expanding, the neck was expanding and everything and that was all just embalming fluid and yeah they couldn't fix that you know it'll it's gonna stay like that forever so right so, so it doesn't what, like explode I mean, they don't pop and, it yeah. and stitch it and start over mm, no because what happens how what bombing just throw the body in the garbage <laughs> <get into it. laughs> no embalming fluid was created to actually seep into the cells so it's not actually gonna block up unless you know somebody's got something in their body that's gonna create a pocket it's designed to go through the cells and then when it gets in the cells, it'll keep blowing up the cells. And, you know, once the cells are full, it goes on to the next cell and the next part of the body. I don't so. think I know how the body works. Yeah, I was saying, I have no idea what embalming fluid is. Like, <laughs> no, this I'm just saying, stuff. like, I, I, get, I get, I don't know, this isn't a uh, moratorium on what a fucking idiot I am. But it's just like, I, I guess there's veins and capillaries and all this stuff that it fills. But when you say cells... What you, like? Yeah, it gets right down into the cellular level. That's how it's designed. It, uh, you know, forces all the blood out of the body, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the cells. So when you see you hear dead bodies being referred to as a stiff, mm-hmm. dead bodies aren't generally stiff until you embalm them. Yeah. Up until then, they're malleable, other than like rigor mortis. You can move their hands, you can move their fingers, and everything. And then after embalming, you know, the body like it goes. Yeah. It like osmotically goes through the veins to the skin. Yeah, it does. Right right into the okay. skin. It permeates. It okay. permeates every part as opposed to like your blood is not touching your skin. Right. In right. Capacity, yeah, exactly. right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Th- there we go. Thanks, Brian. That's why I'm here. <laughs> what, what, um, God. So, yeah, how, how, how about that? Every time when I was young starting a new job, I don't care, 25, whatever, there's usually a moment you start a new job where you have that sweaty, hot moment. It's like, oh, God, I'm fucking this up. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, as you get older, true. you're a little bit, like, more capable to handle it, but you're still fucking up. Any and, new like, job is terrifying. And it's like, God damn it, I wish I, I want, don't want to be here. Like, I fucking hate this. What, what are moments you've had like that? As a mortician, in my last about three months in the business, yeah, every day was like that, and that's why I got out. I got so burnt out on it that any little thing, it's like I don't want to do that. I don't care. <laughs> was it what the, the, the yeah. physical body stuff, or was it the psychological family stuff, or every part of it? Really, you know, the phone would ring. I didn't want to answer it. I'd have to do the funeral, and it'd be like, ah, you know, I'm gonna let the priest handle this. I'm gonna go text somebody or something. And I was, yeah, I was. I was extremely burnt out. You know, I still did the best I could for the families, but my heart wasn't 100% in it anymore, so. And people who do that job, you feel like, is that common for them to be passionate about? Like, you know, you clearly were passionate about it. You had, yeah. you, like, researched the families and all that kind of stuff. You you cared. Is that common? Yeah, it's got a really high burnout rate. Most people last in funeral service about five years total. It seems like so. that you either do it for five years or forever. Yep. It's one of the other. Okay. Because, like, that's kind of how the – because my family would have people who would work for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And some of those people work for my grandpa and still work for the family today. And But there is a squadron of people who worked there yeah, for a few yeah. years. Well, I, I mean, I would imagine the money's good. It, yeah, it's, it's decent. I mean, I could, I live well enough a, by, by like as a mortician right out of college. Right out of college, I wasn't making much. I was making about twenty five thousand a year. Twenty five k to work with corpse. Ten thousand dollars a funeral, like yeah. yeah. And this was what six years ago, eight years ago, fourteen bucks yeah, an hour was, at yeah. Whole Foods. Two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that that could have been a different case though because I had a really good setup during my internship. I lived right at the funeral home, 
so I didn't have oh, rent. That's terrible. That's very common. You were, you were misjudging yeah. that situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was great for me because, you know, you have a certain amount of quotas you have to make. Well, I lived right in the funeral home, so I got them all done right away. Sure. So the rest of my internship, I didn't have to worry about them. And then, well, nor know, did you have to worry about women wanting to come right. to your house and yeah. fuck that's, you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a real yeah, load off your mind. Yeah, yeah. I never <laughs> thought about that. You have to have some serious game to pull. There was back. always <laughs> dudes living in the apartment above the one of the funeral homes, and I, I never thought about them because I was a kid. You know, yeah, yeah. I never thought about them like they were young single men. Yeah, that's a hard sell. That's a really it's hard to sell as a furniture salesman. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm serious. I ran into I had an ex girlfriend come in the store with her doctor husband. <laughs> oh, Oh. I bet you wanted a more dictionary about then. What? I mean, holy shit. It was the worst, like, panic sweat right away. Like, and I normally, I don't sweat. I don't care that much. <laughs> Can I sell this you a one... bed for this doctor to fuck you on, please? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, oh, here's, here's where I show a free what, a, <laughs> what a gigantic loser I am, too. It, you know, I'm trying to be, like, cool, like a peer with them, kind of. <laughs> so it's like... And I, they said something about, like, they just picked out all this shit, and it was like six grand worth of stuff, like, just quick. And, and, they, and they go, all right, we'll take it. And in my small, like, poor person mind, it was like, you want all of it? And, like, <laughs> oh. and my real thought in my head was like, well, don't you want to check your bank account first? Or something like fucking, uh, I just couldn't snap out of right, my yeah. loser fucking situation I was in. Like, the, God, it was yeah, horrible. The only way to win that situation is to look him in his eyes and be like, does she still do that thing? That oh, yes, yeah, yeah. that's the only yeah, thing you got. That's, that's all all you way. have was there yep, first. That's yep, the only that's thing the only you have, in, have in the world at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, she made a good choice. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was a choose-your-own-ending book. <laughs> that was like, that's 100% right choices. Um, all right, so uh, women's, it's okay, women's bodies, corpses. So you never saw one where you just went like, just thinking of my ex. And uh, Anyway, <laughs> like, it never struck you? It was never a situation where you go like, holy crap, this chick was smoking. No, never that I can think of. You know. Is that because there were no smoking women in your town, or is it because you you're just... You're a nice guy. Yeah, you're a nice guy. I think it was just, I was, everything was so clinical. You know, you had to look at so many things. And even when it came to women, um, even their genitalia, you got to watch that. <laughs> you got to watch it during the embalming process because if it starts to leak, you have to know about it so you can get that, you know, well, clogged here, up. Here's the thing. I live with a woman, and I'll tell you, um, I've seen their underwear in the laundry. They all leak down there <laughs> at all times. Um now, your wife is here, and I don't mind asking her, is he always this uh, erotic in his uh, <laughs> I've never heard a grown man say genitalia outside of a classroom. No. no? Does he say that in the course of sex? Genitalia? I will tonight. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> that will probably be the worst, like... The worst like time for somebody to walk in is you're like if somebody if a woman's genitalia is leaking and you're like trying to like wipe it up or something and somebody like walks in like what are you doing with this female? oh god that's why you wear your body inspector hat <laughs> now you have to explain yourself like no 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 you ever slide the gloves off like, yeah just a little too <laughs> for this one yeah what are corners people cut like yeah. if, if a guy's gonna cut Great corners question. what what are the corners that people would cut generally that'll come during the services. And the reason why is because we can pass the blame to somebody else. If it's at a church, church's fault, not ours. 
Oh, the sure. Animal reverts, the burial. What's a common thing that people could like look out for? Sort of like, how do you know you're getting screwed by your uh, funeral home? What are the things that you'd hear or things that... Watch the envelopes after visitations. We had a gentleman one time, a night attendant, thought he was slick, and obviously he was stupid as could be. Uh, he was stealing the cards from the visitation and taking the money out of them, and then he was putting them back into just regular office envelopes and sticking them you know, oh. back in the card deposit. So How do you, addre- how do you address that? Just as a... be open and honest, yeah. you know had to fire him and you know the manager the owner of the funeral home at that point had to go and tell the family hey this is what it is we gave him you know we gave him the whole service for free after that you know yeah because it was just one guy's mix-up but yeah that's the that's the one thing i remember somebody cutting corners and obviously doing something wrong so what are the things that struck you about just seeing a body you know like just seeing people in that state seeing fresh death like what are there any things that jump out to you that you remember Case-by-case case basis, again, you know, 90-year-old woman, 90-year-old man, it's not going to strike you. Yeah. Uh, but when you do see, you know, the suicides and you see the uh, the young people that pass on and that, that gets to, you know, really sink in on you. So. Did you ever cry while you were doing the embalming? Honestly, no, I never cried when I was doing it because, you know, I'm a, I'm a nose-to-the-grindstone type mm-hmm. of worker, so when I'm out there doing it, you know, the yeah. funeral director had 50 different things, but... You know, we're human beings. We have emotions. They're going to catch up with you. You know, it'd be, you know, a couple days later, I'll be on break, and, yeah, it'll just hit me and, you know, need to sit down and have a cry or, really, you know, call somebody and vent. Well, was it harder thinking of the people who are dead or was it seeing, like, where you see a child, for instance, and then thinking of their parents and their grief? Yeah, it was the thoughts that my mind came up with. So, like, you know, we had a child pass on one time, and... You know, like I said, I just kind of did my job. And then a few days later, you know, I got to thinking about it and everything that I could think about in that moment. You know, this kid never going to play with his friends again. His parents mm-hmm. are never going to see him graduate high school. And it was all those scenarios that kept popping in my head. And I was like, how sad is that? You know, yeah. I got to live my life. I got to do these things. My parents got to do that for me. And now all this is gone for that child. How do you not get... I guess, is it a fight to not be cynical and not be really, like, for me, it's just easy for me to look at life as a hellish joke, you know, like, you just, there's so many circumstances or things that happen that you just go, like, this is so fucking pointless, and what a fix, and what a, like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not no, even I'm, saying that I'm, in a I suicidal point, agree, or whatever, I completely agree like, with you. like, this is just a fucking joke, like, what's the, I, and seeing that day to day, seeing parents losing a child, especially, it would just, I, 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 I can't imagine being able to handle that, you know, um, often. No, I don't think I ever got cynical or anything like that. I think it made me appreciate everything more. Yeah. You know, I've always kind of been a loner and everything. And then, you know, when you see things like that, you know, it makes you want to call your mom and say, hi, how yeah. are you? Or, you know, thank your dad for doing something for you. So, yeah, I always tried to take the positive out of it as best I could. Is there one that affected you more than any other? No, not that I can think of. Nothing in particular. There were ones that were more difficult to get through, you know, in an emotional sense. But uh, children, yeah, typically. children, children, suicides were always the worst. So. Did you ever have, deal with somebody who died in a really funny way? <laughs> 
My, that's my greatest fear in life is to die in a way that's just hilarious. Like, I've always been afraid of picking my nose in my car and I'm going to get rear-ended and my finger's going to go up into my Ooh, brain and then I everyone's going to know. That. I think about that all the time. I think about that at least once a week. No, I, I can think that's of... horrible. That's a horrible way to die. I know, right? No, not that I can think of funny death. I read a suicide note once that made me laugh. Really? really? Mm-hmm. I, I, I maybe shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I'm sure you all want to know now, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't really want to say what was in the note because if they, right, if right, somebody yeah. hears us, they're pretty gonna, proprietary. Yeah, they're gonna know. Well, that was so and so suicide. Yeah, yeah, note. Yeah. What, what happened to where you were reading the suicide? Is it like a normal thing where you read a suicide? Yeah. Note? How do you? How does that come into your possession? Well, a lot of the times people don't know this about funeral directors is uh, when somebody dies, and generally more in the rural areas is we go and we assist with the removal of the body and taking them to the medical examiners. So the police had called me and they said, you know, we have a suicide. We need you to transport it to the, the ME's office. So I went out and I assisted moving with the person who had completed suicide, you know, out from their house. And then I brought them to the uh, facility where they were going to be in the, uh, where they were going to be autopsied. And they gave me all the evidence and everything. And Stuck in traffic, I had nothing else to do, so I really How could you? How could you not read that note, honestly? <laughs> yeah, if my you, God! If you had so, that note in your possession, I'm, I'm, and, and you know, one thing too that um, you kind of touched on, um, oftentimes, especially in small towns, the coroner is a funeral director. Yep. Like my uncle was the coroner for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's just because it's it kind of makes sense. Yes. But then what's also interesting is coroners are legally required to carry pistols, because oftentimes. When a body turns up, like, yeah, sure, sometimes it's Nana, but a lot of times it's like a shooting in a scary part mm-hmm. of town or whatever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so coroners, my, my uncle didn't because he didn't like guns, mm-hmm. but, he, but he was, so he was technically, I guess, breaking the rules. He didn't take his gun anywhere. He didn't like it. But yeah, they, they are and pistol packing I would imagine dudes. sort of like of the first people on scene to mm-hmm. an extent, right? I mean, literally so, the yeah. person who said, pronounces the time of death and, you know, like, right. it's a, that's a government job. It's often an elected position. Right. Do you huh. have like a stopwatch where you like, Pulse is gone, and it's. I, I wonder it's, how often they're nine, just bullshitting it. Oh, sort seven, of. yeah. No, it's more like they're they're always dead by the time you get there. But like, oh, like like he died three like hours if, ago. If you if you saw a guy on the street, right, you're walking down to your apartment. Oh my God, there's a guy in the street and he's dead. You know, so you call nine one one. They're gonna call the coroner at some point. The coroner is gonna be the one. And so he, when he's pronounces time of death, it's not like this is the day the guy died. It's like officially we are we are acknowledging the death of this oh, person okay. at. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ten fifty-five p.m. Yeah. when you're at home, maybe the guy was in the street for two hours. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Because you're not. It's not like you're in a hospital. I thought we're in a he hospital. Was like yeah. Bullshitting, kind of what the time was. Yeah, like, like feeling it is. That would be a medical exam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the coroner doesn't. Coroner just says basically like basically the coroner. One of the things they have to do is certify yes, this is a dead person. Like officially, yeah. this person is dead. Okay. And pronouncing the time of death is next to impossible. It's not like you see on forensics. They yeah. they oh, can okay. do it. Yeah. So. What um. What was your, I, I guess, did we hear the things that you panicked with from your early days with the job? Like, yeah, we talked about having job, yeah? Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of it was just finding my own comfort zone, trying to get in a groove and everything, so. There was never a situation where someone was like, you're trying to pose their body and they were in rigor more and like, God, I just can't get this fucking arm over here this guy you know where you uh, grab a hammer and just break his shoulder and (laughs) i don't know like things like that i guess like are there any issues no because uh one common misconception is people think funeral directors break a lot of bones and that's not the case you know uh rigor mortis what that is is when the blood starts to settle 
you know, if a person dies on their back, it's all going to settle in their back and in their butt. If a person dies on their side, it's going to all flow to that side. But rigor mortis is the stiffening of the muscles. Yeah. So in order to position a body, you know, people die in all types of different angles and positions, yeah. and you have to get them into the typical casket position. So you're not breaking the bones or anything. You're, you're essentially tearing the muscle, trying to break the rigor mortis out of it. So if you get somebody that's, you know, a bodybuilder or something, you know, fun activity you can do at home with everybody. You know, if you just flex your arm and then push down on it, that's about how hard it is to break rigor mortis. Eventually it's going to, it's going to break. It's going to tear the muscle. Okay. You know, but you no, know, depending on how strong the person was in life is how hard the muscles are going to be to break the rigor mortis of. Was there one person like, or is there everything you have to do if it gets like, this guy's just too ripped? You got to take out the hacksaw blade and like cut his tendon or something like that? No. Sometimes with cremations, if a person's really obese, and you're tr- the cremation machine's called a retort. And when you're trying to get them into the retort, you really have Why to. Why do they call it that? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but uh, I mean, you'll have to take, you know, strings and everything and tie their elbows together to like get them through the door. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like a turkey or. You're going to have to take cellophane wrap or something and, you know. Cut off a leg and do it in, like, ways, like, <laughs> cremate the first I'm half. I'm going to do this guy in chunks. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard stories of that happening. I've never actually seen it, but, yeah, it's it's happened before. But you would, I mean, so. I'm guessing the crematorium doesn't casually have, like, a bone saw lying around. No. but how I, So I, I did hear this about crematorium. So I had a guy who, who I was going to have on the show, and I, I kind of just lost track of him, but he was, like, a young guy who had a um he he said his job was to go around and service cremation machines mm. and he'd go and like clean the them ultimate out, chimney of, sweep right? yeah <laughs> and he said it what he said sid did sort of blow my mind he said that so they go through they burn and then like your ashes get taken out on a con, you know whatever conveyor belt or in a you know what whatever it is but he said that there's a area underneath the machine where really a lot of the shit falls mm-hmm. so he said you'll find human materials like human bone mm. dog bone ash and whatever because a lot of people use the same machines for dogs as they do people and people cremate their dogs people cremate oh, actually their that's dogs. the most common we're pet disposal most 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 what? places yeah, yeah my cat i had my cat cremated White after he died people. yeah that's yeah a cultural thing. or you can bury i mean if i lived in the country i would bury it in my backyard i would have yeah. buried him in my backyard i buried mine but but i i went ahead and cremated because i don't know but yeah how much does that cost to cremate a pet a hundred bucks cost yeah. 300 400 bucks to kill the motherfucker and i love him but it's just still to do that it was like yeah. what yeah but anyway sorry i'm childless i got the cash yeah <laughs> cremation machines would you i guess do you like doing cremations was that the best because you didn't have to do shit no not necessarily i mean the ones i worked with didn't work the best so I was always having to fidget with something, turn up the gas. Right. Or, Pour a little gasoline what? on the body. To we could. It's like way you can never get your charcoal grill exactly <laughs> the way you want. That is fucking... Replace the case for <laughs> charcoal. Under Do you view the families as like more crap? Like, well, they don't give a fuck about this. Just burning them anyway. Like, does the level of care that someone who gets who's not create like who's not cremated... It, is it even comparable to people who get cremated? Yeah, it'll be exactly the same until you still the Because there's still like people? an open casket funeral, right, a lot of times, and then they get cremated afterwards. Yeah, that'll happen sometimes, oh. but we're more getting back to the whole when you inspect the body mm-hmm. type of thing. When you get a body that the family's saying, you know, we want direct cremation, you still bring it back and you put it in the prep room and you put it on the embalming table. 
And just like any other body, you you know, you give it a bath. Uh, what? Yeah, you wash every body, you okay. know, uh, just so they're clean. Because you don't know what situation somebody's coming out of. You know, somebody could have been homeless and living in filth and they sure. need a bath. So you give them, you know, you wash them down, you set their features, you close their eyes, you uh, staple their mouth shut, and, you know, you do the inspection for the bruises and everything. And the reason you do that for the cremation is for, like I said, you check for bruises, and it usually takes 24, 72 hours before you get authorization to cremate somebody. And during that time, you get a lot of phone calls where, you know, well, we would like to see grandma or grandpa or something. Okay. So then if you're in that situation, then, yeah, you've got them. All you have to do, move them onto the display table, put them in a blanket, maybe throw some makeup on them and let the family see them. So, yeah, they get up until the embalming or cremation process, you do the same thing with the decedent. Do you put the um, the eyeball things in? Yep, do all that. You do? So, yep. Can you uh, describe that for people who don't know? Well, what it is, it's just a little plastic thing about the size of a quarter, and then they cut slits in it, and you can raise the slits, and it creates little spikes. So when you put it in the eye, you just set it right on the eye, and you close it, so when the, eye tries to o- the eyelid tries to open, the spikes catch it, so the eyelid won't open anymore. Have you ever had like one eye peekaboo open during a funeral? <laughs> Not peekaboo, but we've had trouble getting them to shut before. You know, just, really. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Pull them, stretch them before you embalm them, and get them into the position. You do everything to set the features on the body. What do you grab it with? Tweezers, your fingers, just anything. Because once it's embalmed, like that's that's yeah, where that's they it. are, right? There's, yeah, that's it's it. a yeah, it's so. like putting crazy glue with something on your wall. It's like, yeah, that's exactly. on your wall now. It's, that's it's it. not moving. Before that, like I said, the body's pretty malleable. Once you get the rigor mortis out of it, so when you have problems with the eye or the mouth or something, you get to it before the embalming and whatever you have to do. It's generally an easy process, but sometimes, yeah, you do have to put some super glue in there or. You do have to use an extra staple or something. So. What happens to the eyes when you die? That they need those little cap thingies. Like I mean, that's, do the eyes sink in at all? Yeah, they'll sink in eventually, but that's more for the family. You know, you get the family or something want to go up and touch the body, and you know, if you touch somebody's forehead, you know, your hand, your thumb's right there by the eye. They're uh-huh. gonna knock it open okay. at some point, and you're gonna be upset. So, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Fuck yeah. So it, it's more to protect the the family than anything. How how about the just what other things are done to bodies that I don't know that anyone may or may not know, like what what other little uh, foreign bodies do you use to I don't know lock them into place or to do things cosmetically anything Oh yeah, there's all types of stuff you do. Um, there's a thing called a trocar and it's about two feet long and it's like a sword with a hole in it, and what that's for is after the embalming process. You know, all the arteries and the veins are in the arms and the legs and the head. It kind of misses the torso. All your arteries go right along your spine. So the purpose of the trocar is you stick it in. You actually puncture through the body, through the stomach. (laughs) Yeah, there can be only one. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's about two and a half inches above the belly button to the right, and that's really important because that's where you're going to get the organs. And you, the funeral director, mortician literally does start to suck things out of the inside of the human being. And we're talking the fluid out of the lungs if there's any, so like tuberculosis, blood, the heart, you got to get all the blood out of there. Uh, the bowels are extremely important. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to sound crass here, but this is how it's done. You you stick that trocar into the into the bowels, and you suck all the feces and everything out of there. Mm-hmm. You, you I'm keep... having that done Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you keep poking until you hit the bladder and you get the pee because that's the first part of the body to decompose. Just oh, naturally, so everything. Like a, a pee pee boy. Oh, yeah. Like it gave the pee pee boy. I knew so, it. So yeah, if you don't do something to treat that area, then that body's gonna rot and you're gonna get the smell, and it's not gonna be pleasant. So that's how you embalm the thoracic cavity and the abdominal cavity is you suck everything out and then there's a fluid called dry cav that you use the trocar again and you pour it into all those cavities and that'll actually embalm and cath and uh close all the holes you made i can't think of the term right now but i mean so, not to be correct like spackle almost or something to some degree or... yeah kind of yeah so it's a, it's basically the best way to put it is you know you're sucking the fluids and parts of the organ out and then you're putting that extra fluid in to dry everything out so, so when you stab the body with the choke card do you like stand over the top of it and like raise it up with two hands <laughs> and just just come down you're a miss <laughs> yeah you're a miss yeah <laughs> No, but I <laughs> just hit the metal table or whatever right now. But one. if I go back in time after you said that, I'd probably do the He-Man thing. You yeah, know, I yeah have that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I have yeah. the power. Thundercats. <laughs> oh. Um, I, I, uh, so then when you have all this, this fluid, the organs, all that stuff that you suck out with the trocar, um, do the international liberal elites just come pick that up then? Like <laughs> you leave it out for them or? No, the best way to describe it is at the end of the embalming table is just Hillary giant. Clinton and her cabal. <laughs> <laughs> they take him to they take him to Comet Pizza in Washington mm-hmm. D.C. in That's the right. secret basement. No, at the end of the embalming table is basically a giant toilet. It's about three by three, and that is actually filled with water, not embalming fluid, and everything flows down into that. So you know all the remains. It's not a portal. Is <laughs> that now where that has to be then removed separately by a company, right? Like, you can't put that in the groundwater. No, it goes into a septic tank. It goes into a septic tank? Yeah. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't... Does the blood go into a septic tank? Everything goes down that uh, okay. that reservoir that comes off the body. It goes onto the table and then so down... So there's a giant tank. tank of whatever, blood, guts, Blood, beer, guts, yeah, everything, yeah. and then you just... Sperm and pee. Yeah. When you're done, you just you flush it just like a toilet. And then do you harvest their sperm on the side and you <laughs> sell that out of the back? That's, that's before my pay grade. Oh, I see. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever. I just I was looking for a place to sell mine. Right. <laughs> so and, I know a gal. Yeah. <laughs> when you talked about like rigmores, like the tendons and stuff, do you ever like you know when you take like a chicken foot and you can pull the tendon and it like squeezes? Do you ever like just move a tendon oh, to yeah. like make the hand move? Definitely. Yeah, that'll happen a lot because a lot of times you know the most important parts for the display of the embalming are the head and the hands. So you got to make sure those yeah. are embalmed really good. Uh, right here, well, again, I'm on radio, I'm forgetting, but in the wrist is the radial artery. And uh, you really have to dig for that to get to it, to embalm it if you need to individually. And so as you're putting your finger through there, yeah, you'll be moving those tendons and the fingers and everything will start to move. So. Did that like freak you out Did the you ever first scare time? yourself? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, never bothered me at all. So. You never jumped once where you hit something like up in their upper arm and then their hand moved you went, huh? Yeah. No, well, no, I mean, no. If there was like air left in their lungs or something. And yeah, like, how about out? noises? Yeah, that'll happen. Mm-hmm. That's that's God, rare, you know. So, because that's because that's all how your vocal cords work. There's no muscles or anything for your vocal cords. It's all just the air coming through your vocal cords. So, if you push down on a decedent's chest, you will hear them make some type of noise. You could kind of hear their voice. I guess I never knew what Should have really got voice, good at that. So. Start playing the human, <laughs> <laughs> like an accordion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what. Uh, <laughs> What? Okay. All workplaces, sometimes there's some pranks and stuff that go on. Is there? Are there any particularly good, maybe not even that you did, but that you could do? The one prank I remember was just by opportunity. Normally nothing 
you know, like, there's like, a thing yeah. where everyone knows that you can just put both palms down on the person's belly and fucking put your weight on it and <laughs> make, blow a, it make a gang out. sign yeah. in the casket or something. Or, or, oh. or yeah, I don't know. No, nothing I can think of. The time I was thinking of was just a little more, uh, more subtle than that. There. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was a uh, Halloween night when I was living at the funeral home and I saw some teenagers poking through the windows. So I was watching him come around, and I just put my face up on the glass and everything and waited for him to come see me. Nice. That's the Holy only, the shit. only joke. How bad did they freak out? They saw me, and they, you know, they kind of yelled a little bit and then ran away. Then That's they a came good back to check and everything, what was going on, and I was waving at them. Like, Get out of here. No, so here's a, this is a politically incorrect question. Is there a particular religious faith or custom that you find mo- more difficult to deal with as a funeral director where you're like, oh God, this, the, the rites and the procedures for this are so much more difficult or elaborate or so much easier for any group? Ooh. Brian's notoriously anti-Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. You know, and well, honestly, I asked that question thinking that I, like Southern Baptists might be the worst. Oh, one. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Did you do a lot of black funerals? Yeah, we did everything that I... No, well, I'm I should saying, say like, where it's, like... So, like, when my grandpa died, it was, like, you got the guys, like, on the casket and, like, dancing in, and, like, everybody... It was, yep. like, a big party, almost. Yep. Like, really? Oh, hell, it was so much fun. Like, yeah, it was yeah. sad, yeah. but it was fun. No, I've always... I saw the New Orleans, uh, whatever, how they do them, the big, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, yeah. marching line, or I can't remember what they call it, back line. Whatever. Second line. Second line. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I agree. That's how it should be. Yeah. No, but to your question, I mean, I like I said, I didn't grow up with much faith. Uh-huh. Or anything, I was never taught anything like that. So when I first got into the business, it was all confusing to me. Okay, you know, everybody was you know speaking a different language. I always had to look at the pastor or something for my cues. Like I didn't know what genuflecting was. Yeah, I didn't know Catholics had to have their feet facing one direction at another time, and then during the service you have to flip them around for another time. And what? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm Catholic. Yeah, during the service, don't quote me on this because I don't remember. I'm like I said. Well, I'm don't quote Gabe on saying he's Catholic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, the, during the service, I believe it's their feet have to be facing east towards the crucifix. And then during the recessional, when you pull them out, that's when you flip them around and they have to leave feet first, if I'm remembering that correctly. It's weird because that's how I sleep, that my feet have to be towards the crucifix. But yeah. I don't know. You know, I have that 12-foot tall crucifix in my room. Of course. Um, the life-size Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... Uh, Facing east with my the, feet towards it. Yeah. Not from our dominatrix. Uh, yeah. What, what, do you sleep with your head toward your life-size Jesus like the, a weirdo? What's the most, uh, the still bleeding Jesus? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, what's like yeah. a fountain? You know, it, it runs, yeah, 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 it runs yeah. continuously. It's very yeah, it's calming. Like it's a, like a ham's beer It's my white noise machine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. White noise machine. <laughs> <laughs> Miller for the win. Uh, what's the least Dude. amount of people you ever saw in a... Uh, like show up for a wake or a visitation just me once really yeah yeah like i said one of the life well lived (laughs) well that's one of those situations we were talking about where we couldn't find a family member that wanted anything to do with the guy really so we just said uh and this isn't rare you know i'm speaking and like i said i don't know i'm kind of speaking like this was a one-time incident but this wasn't there were really yeah numerous times probably five to ten where you know it was just me and a priest by the graveside saying some prayers and then how do you feel about, like, I mean, how did you feel about those at the time? Hurry up and get them done, honestly. Okay. It's like, like, you know, like what the who fuck are you are doing, doing this for? for? Yeah. No, really, like, what's the, I mean, they, right. in a certain way. Like, yeah. you need to do it because it's like, you need to do it because it needs to be done, but you're also not doing it for anybody Why else. Why does it need to be done? Well, everybody deserves a funeral. funeral. Okay, I, 
I get that as far as, okay. I guess I thought, yeah, we pay for the embalming and to put you in the ground, I guess. But to stand there and do the prayer, like that yeah, makes do the it same. like we're a religious co- well, country. That's the one time where the funeral is for the dead person, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, really. It's the one time it, where you're like, you know what? We are doing it for this guy. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to say, you know, it's unnecessary. You know, everybody right. does deserve a funeral, but... You know, I spent time with this person already. You know, I was talking to him about the sports game while I was embalming him. You know, I've had my moments with this person. I don't want to be standing out when it's 20 degrees and the ground's yeah, frozen. Yeah. And the preach, preacher who doesn't know anything about this person is trying to relate to me in the air what this person was like. Obviously, this person, you know, died alone, and yeah. I don't know what happened. You know, hopefully they're just the last of their kind, and everybody that loved him or knew him loved him, but... And you never felt compared, uh, compelled to like research why? Yeah, I, I don't know. No, no, no. That was a that was pretty much number Too one sin in funeral service. Notes. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't look on Facebook. You don't go outside of the family by any means. Oh, you don't. You, you, you don't. intentionally don't look on Facebook. Yeah, you intentionally don't look on Facebook. You don't research on the internet. You don't go like if they were a member of like a local club. You don't go to members of that club. If the family doesn't bring it to you, you're not touching it. Is okay. Oh, makes is, sense. Is that so. like in a in a code of ethics kind yep. of thing? It is. It's okay. a respect thing. And I mean, when you work in a small town, you know, you're gonna know that person. You're gonna know things about them. But you know, I never worked in a town where I was from or anything. So people that I knew were that were dying. Well, I shouldn't say people that I knew. The people that died were strangers to me. Okay. So I wasn't going out of my way to go find anything about this person. If the family presented it to me, that's what I worked with. And that would be a huge difference between like your your experience and like my family's in a oh town of five thousand ish people. Yeah. I mean, at least half the people who die, uh, my someone involved in the business has at least a passing familiarity. If not, yep. they might have done nine funerals for that family over the last thirty years. You know, so it's your like, grandpa like could never lose an argument. Like it'd almost just be like. Look, motherfucker, I'm gonna see you at some point. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah, I'm, he, and he, I'm gonna profit from it, and I'm gonna see you naked, and make fun of your dick. He literally did know almost every single human being in my town because just at some point, yeah, someone they knew had died, and they had come to the funeral. And he's you know, seen him naked, or at least someone they know. So we're gonna double back that answer. Biggest tits you ever saw. <laughs> never like, never. A None that were any go. appealing. I mean, they were there, but they were just flesh. So. You're gonna put like extra embalming fluid in him to make him swell up a little bit. No, nothing like that. But what if a guy asked you to do that? <laughs> well, <laughs> my wife lived her life as an A cup. But can we just give her C? Yeah. You're, you're like last request no, is like, can my dick be bigger? Yeah. <laughs> no, we would we would get Slide requests like that. A lot what? Of, what? Yeah. You weren't gonna bring kidding. that up? I was totally well, you know, kidding. That's a thing. No, you would get requests. Yeah. And, you know, take all the fun out of this, but you get a breast cancer patient that died, and they yeah, had to take him. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. fun there. Sad faces in this room. Ever a guy, though, who who wanted you to slide the uh, like a cucumber, a zucchini, right. even in Make his sure pants? Make sure he's standing up. I mean, no, usually but, the bottom half of the casket is closed. So yeah, like I said, so down there. Do you put, put like, a lump in the him? casket when you're dressing like them? Do you like how? Do you, are you putting like socks, shoes? Like, is the bottom half undressed? Like, do you put like a news anchor? How many layers? Like <laughs> yeah. boxers? Yeah. Whatever the family brings is what you put on. Okay. So if the family brings socks and shoes, you put them on. Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem that always came with the dressing for me personally is I always cut the clothes down the back every time. Uh, you know, okay. if, so you're not trying to like get his arms. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to hurt my back yeah. by any means. So it wouldn't matter if it was a 300 pound guy. It wouldn't matter if it's a 90 pound lady. I'm cutting that in half and I'm just stuffing it in the back and sewing, you know, just the top of it shut. And 
all my bosses hated that I did that. It's like, well, what if the family asked for it back? Well, it's too bad if the family asked for it back. You, <laughs> you know? say that? Yeah. What a shit employee. This is weird, too. I like, too, it. Like... I like it, though. Well, no, because, I mean, like I said, yeah. my, my back has to last me the rest of my of course, life, and I'm not trying to live somewhere. Dead. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And it back. never happened. Don't you want never them buried to... in the clothes that they like? Right. Like, yeah, what exactly. if you just value yeah, to the dress? the clothes off them now. Yeah. They need that. Did anybody request to, like, be buried naked or in, a, like... Well, I want my like with just, a girl. Yeah. yeah. Well, pajamas. A lot of people want. Pajamas. Not a lot, but yeah, noticeable that people like being buried in their pajamas. You know, if they're going to be resting in peace, they want to rest in what they wore to yeah. bed. So. How about the pillow? Comfort. The pillow. What's just... your thoughts on the pillow? My it's, pillow it's... crossover. Yeah, yeah, that's good advertising. If my yeah. pillow jump in on that, but yeah, what, like, I just think of that. Uh, how they bury people is good. Anyone ever asked to be buried? Like, well, I sleep on my side, so can you curl me up or? No, never anything like that. Like Ever that. have one of those weird gimmicky funerals? You know, like like a huge Packers fan who had everything all Packers oh, yeah. out, or a guy who wanted to be buried in his old car, or one of those yep. weird... Not that I can think you of. You hear about those now. every now yeah, and every then. Yeah, every now and then you do, but I think that's more of a more of a niche thing, niche. Yeah. But no, not that I can yeah. think of. Because there are so, custom casket companies that will, you know... Oh, yeah, I've are. never seen one, but I mean, I know that like, like we want... Build one shaped like a football or, yeah, you know. Well, there's one here in the Twin Cities. I don't want to say the name because, you know, I don't represent them. But they'll make custom caskets, and they're authorized and licensed by the Vikings and the Twins that they can use their logos, they can use their color scheme wow. and everything. Never did a service with that, but I worked for a funeral home that had a Cincinnati Bengals casket in it. So That could apply to everybody yeah, on really. the team. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> And so, like, when people come in and if they say, like, oh, I want these extra features, like, is there, like, a Cadillac of caskets that you try to upsell oh, people Oh, yeah, to? there is. Like, what's, question. Yeah. That's the profit like, margin, what's, yeah, right? What's, yeah, what's the like, things you do it's to It's not the to funeral, it's the fancy casket. Yep, that's that is, that's where the money's made in funeral service. Mm -hmm. It goes one of two ways when funeral homes are determining their prices. Is they either upsell the services, so the embalming, the funeral, the wake either costs a lot, and then their caskets and their other merchandise are really cheap. Or just flip-flop it. Their caskets are expensive, but all the other services are extremely cheap. So that's... But that's everyone ends up costing it, the same. Yeah, it, it'll even yeah. out. It, is there, like, one feature that you can... Like, you try to upsell, but, like, maybe you feel bad about it or that's, like, unnecessary, but you're like, oh, you can get the inside laced, so... Or something, I don't know, like... Yeah. I know. I never directed anybody in that sense. What I yeah. did was I had it in my system that when people were picking the caskets and the lining... I just left them in the room, and while they were doing that, I was in typing up the obituary. I was filling out the death certificate. Oh, okay. So then they could choose on their own for you know my sake and theirs. That way, they don't have to discuss price in front of me. Yeah. And you wouldn't be a salesperson to no, that, no, like no. at all. No. Do you I've think never, there are yeah. other sales? I'm sure there are people who do there that. Are, but yeah. I, I think it probably takes care of itself because don't you think there are some people who feel for either dedication or guilt and thus wind up going for a fancy mm -hmm. casket to assuage themselves? Yeah, yeah. all the pressure that has is nothing on to, them. The, but that's the thing so. that you're not going to – if somebody had a great relationship with their dad, you're probably not going to be able to make that weird. And if they had a weird relationship, they're going to need to do that, and it's not. Yeah, no. yeah. That's that's one of the things you'd kind of listen for. You know, if somebody was a farmer and you have something called the homestead casket, which is really common here in the Midwest, it's the actual name of the casket, then maybe I would point that out to them. Like, here's the homestead casket. You know, in the lid, it's got a picture of a farm. We can get that embroidered with something. You put See, like, yeah, pictures type, inside the lid. Stuff, yeah, right? like, yeah. That to me seems so like unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. Some people, it makes some it makes some people feel a lot better though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, so when you're in the pitch black, so do you have fucking lights that turn on? <laughs> not the not the dead oh, people, right. the live people. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, it's for the if it's dead in person. the thing. Yeah. But it's not. 
everything that you do is for the live people. It is, except the thing that's inside the coffin when it's closed. <laughs> well, I, I know, think. I but know, yeah. right? But like, like we got some lights. No, got I, a little... I agree. I know, right? You know, one thing we get a lot is I always have somebody really nervous come walking up to me, and they're like, "Is it okay if I put something in the cast?" That's like, I yeah. was going to fucking ask that. Yeah. 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 So, so doesn't I thought isn't that a normal thing? People put stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I left crackers in my. Grandpa's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever cookies he liked to put them in his little cast. I think people yeah. baseball cards yeah. and yeah, baseball cards. all kinds of Spokers. you know souvenir fishing Do you lures for guys who love fishing. After yeah. the funeral and go like, oh, let's see what kind of goodies he's got. No, <laughs> no. You Pop actually. that little bit. There were some snacks. Yeah. There that were well, that was, you were, that, was, remember, that was my old joke, right? Was that my the first yeah. joke I ever really did. I think I did it yes. on the Ferguson It was set. your first joke that got real laughs. Yeah. yeah it was like, um, I remember. My family, acne, yeah. my, I came from a funeral home family. Uh, it sure makes the holidays weird, you know, at Christmas. You're like, oh, thanks, everybody. More gold teeth and engagement rings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the caskets actually lock. Yeah. To some extent, so you and the, you're the, the one the, who locks it, aren't you? And there's yeah. the shell that goes over top of a lot, right? Like that. Yeah, the vault will mm, go the vault, over the right. top. But you lock the funeral. You lock the casket in front of the family. Yeah, they uh, watch you. There's a. I mean, you could undo the lock. It's not really. It's more. I was gonna say, yeah. you ever like lower the lid and these guys a thousand bucks cash fanned out on his chest or something <laughs> like that? It's like you got to close this. Be <laughs> digging this up later. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see anything like that? Um, ever anything really ostentatious uh, buried with the people? I saw a dog buried once with a gentleman. Wow. They had actually killed the, they dog, killed the dog too? The dog died the day after. Sure. Just uh, oh, well, that's coincidentally. Sure. Yeah. And they actually, yeah, they asked if we could put the dog in the casket. And that was kind of a awkward situation because they're like, well, do we need to embalm the dog? dog? I was just going to say, yeah. that, that does bring up a weird. Yeah, it's like, no, legally we can't embalm the dog. But, yeah, we're not going to stop you from That's the title it. of your autobiography. Legally, Legally we can't have a dog. <laughs> Do you, um, what, are, what are requests? Tevin, are you out? Yeah, I'm out. All right, guys. Tevin Pittman checking out. Um, once again, choosing his day job over the podcast. Well, now, now that he's gone, can we talk about how handsome Absolutely. he is? Isn't he handsome? Really I mean, you guys handsome. don't hype him up the way you should. I mean, that's on People think Gabe's kidding when he talks about how handsome Tevin is. Yeah. Because yeah. I've known Tevin for since he was a comedy yeah. club manager. And it was like, man, he's a handsome. I'm there sorry are I times, brought my wife with me now. I mean, there are times, I and I, I shit you not, where we'll be podcasting, and I'll just like be looking straight across at him and go like, God, what a like beautiful man. Like <laughs> where I'm truly distracted from the conversation. Like he's a fuck. He has had women reach out to him from this show, like fans of this show. You think maybe the guy whose name's on the podcast when they're a fucking smoke show, maybe send me a fucking picture, you know? Never, never once. He has had women send him that make, well, Mrs. Noah would make them look like a barfing donkey, but um, let's just say they're really hot. Sure. I believe it. Yeah. So it's a hard, it's hardest part about me doing the show. Famous uh, people. What's that? Famous people. Fam- oh, that's yeah. That's a good fucking yeah. question. I, I got a story Thank about that too. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, oh, that's a hard, that's a hard one to do though. You ever, <laughs> you ever bury any famous folk or? I never buried anybody famous the closest i ever came was obviously i won't say the name i won't say where but there was a famous gentleman that had passed away he buried prince (laughs) no but uh i was there right i was at the morgue picking up a body right after the autopsy and they asked me you know do you know who he is like everybody knows who he is you want to hold his brain wow and i was like yeah tiny tim tiny tim (laughs) trying to think of people who died okay that'll be an off mic Question. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> but no, I, was like, yeah, I mean, I was new to the wow. business and everything. I was like, oh, this is really exciting. Yeah, I got to just 
pulled his brain and I got to go put it in a little. Uh, hey, I held his brain. Yeah. <laughs> you got to say that the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life and creep people out. What, um, how about that? Just seeing untoward behavior, unseemly behavior among people in that industry, right? Because you're interacting with, you know, people from the morgue. I don't know. I'd imagine a lot of people kind of are in the death business, yeah. right? So do you ever, I don't know, see a morgue worker, you go like, yeah, this guy's having a little too much fun or, I don't know, things like that. A guy no, like Gabe, basically? Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. I know uh, kind of a throwback to, I think it was your eye technician, because I'm a fan of the show, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. They were talking about the people who do the donations and everything and how they, you know, they're in a group of people. They're with people they're comfortable with. They maybe joke a lot around, yeah. around a lot more, and they maybe say some uncouth stuff. But, you know, normally as a mortician, you're by yourself. And when somebody else is around, you know, it's all about the reputation in funeral service. You sure. Know? Yeah, it really is. You know, and I was I, like, my uncles are both really, like, real, we're really, well, one's alive, one's dead. Very funny guys. Mm -hmm. But even if there was nothing, they were almost like you, like, there was almost nothing they wouldn't joke about. Uh -huh. But mm, all the business stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. like, they would joke about themselves in context of their business. But, like, anything to do with anybody involved, that was just, like, a total no That's why I'm like, I'll joke about anything except about me. You know? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't make fun of the best, Just bro. can't do that, no. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I had a super fucking something that I really wanted to ask you up there. So we asked you about disreputable people. Um, people you know. Oh, um, funeral. Did you ever turn a funeral away? Or ever have someone where you just go like, hey, this is too much bullshit or whatever with you people already? Yeah, I did once. Yeah. And that was towards the end of my time in funeral service where I just didn't have the patience right. anymore and it was just a family they came in and they didn't want to cooperate you know they just wanted to scream about everything and i'm trying to word this right and i guess like i said i'm just trying to look for the words but this family i was working in a smaller town at the time and like i said i didn't know anybody personally but this family had a reputation and they were typical hillbillies yeah sure. yeah you know the one of the relatives of the decedent was literally sitting there talking about how everything's a government conspiracy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know ronald reagan and obama shared the same damn brain in his mind <laughs> yeah. and i mean he's that was his quote i'm not wow. making that up that i've never heard quote. that one holy shit yeah and, and i go down some pretty deep uh yeah. youtube holes and then you know there's this one lady in there and i mean she's just sitting there eating a granola bar staring at the ceiling fan chewing with her mouth open <laughs> why she was there i don't know Another people sitting there, you know, you know, throwing stuff at each other. They had a couple kids destroying the funeral home. Jeez. And after about an hour, I barely got the name of this person out. And I was finally like, you know what? We're done here. It's my job to direct funerals. It's my job to help you. You're not cooperating. Come back when you're ready to grow up. So they already had the body there? Like you had embalmed it? I don't remember the exact circumstances. Wow. One, but yeah, we they had called us to do the service. And you just snapped and did the whole. Uh, yeah, like, I was, I, like I said, I wouldn't say I snapped. I gave him warning. Yeah, so yeah. Plenty of times, you know. Right. We got to stay on track. This is what's happening, and then eventually it just got nope. This is too much. You ever see just extreme disrespect? Yeah, lots of times. Like that bothered you? Any specifics you can say? Not so much that it bothered me or struck you. Yeah, yeah it kind of made me angry. Mm. I don't know if that's what you mean, bother. Like it yeah, made me yeah. sad or made me angry. But yeah, there was a couple unruly times where you know somebody would go up and. Oh, I thought he was just putting on a show more so than anything. Like, he wanted the attention, so he kept going up and shaking the casket and screaming Grandma's name. And like, What? Yeah. 
That is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Some people I are very performative in there. No. Yeah. Really? Like I said, I don't yeah. think I don't believe he was actually in mourning or anything. Okay. I think he was going for attention more so than anything. But yeah, it is people wonderful. fucking with the bodies. Is that a somewhat kind of common thing, or people doing? I don't know. People don't usually want to touch the body. Yeah, not normally. Most people have no interest in touching. I the would. Body. Well, as a funny guy, I would think like you know to make the hand wave or something like that. <laughs> Did you, you ever, ever see? Um, this is. A, I feel like this is more of a thing of the past. Do you ever see like a parent trying to force a little kid to like, oh, kiss grandma bye or yeah. And that's a real, that's he a said, real, oh, thing. Yeah, but that, no, that's a real creepy thing where like, lady, I don't think you know the damage you're doing. Yeah, to your yeah. Kid. Like I, I, I'm thinking of a story. Right now, that makes me laugh, but yeah, that's that's terrible. Don't do that to kids. Don't tell your kids somebody's sleeping because they're going to go home at night and they're not going to want to sleep. Uh huh. Because they notice the difference. What is the uh, what's your best day as a funeral director? Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, I definitely have more good memories than bad of funeral service. You know, I don't think many people would believe that here and that out of my mouth, but it is a job and it is rewarding. Yeah. But. There's no one I can pinpoint, but, you know, when you get the thank you letter in the mail from a family or you get a phone call and somebody's just saying, you made a difference, you know, it's a great... That's cre- nice. Yeah, it's... The letter, for some reason, I think is always like, that's what people do when someone dies, though. They go like, thank you for doing... I don't know. Like yeah. But the real like, letter, the letter that's not the real pro one. forma yeah, yeah. thank you letter, but the real... Yeah, somebody wrote, wrote a letter, stuff. Yeah. you know, said it by name, you know, hey, thank you, Jeremiah Tucker, for what you did. <laughs> So, did did you ever work a funeral that was like fun? And I, what I mean is the like one of those funerals where it was like an old person who died and everyone was super celebratory and it was like a fun vibe. Or even a young yeah. person that they wanted to see die. Got two words for you: yeah. Irish wake. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are a blast. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's not even a funeral. Nothing's even gone on yet. You know, the person died and uh, all their relatives are up all night drinking, and that's all they do. They party. They relax as best they can and a lot of times we will get called the the geographical area that i was in was they were common and when we got the call we knew to ask would you like us to come and prep the body and that's what we were talking about you know setting the features and everything so we would go to the houses and we would put the eye caps in we would do the staple gun to the mouth we would set the position we do everything except you know the cremation or the embalming Mm. so yeah you'd be there with the family and everything and they'd be having fun playing games you know, getting a little tipsy. So, yeah, Irish Irish wakes were always fun. I believe that. And then you went and picked up bodies on site, right? Yep. And I know we, we talked a little bit about your first one or whatever with it, but anything with that that was ever particularly unsettling or just, I mean, seeing a crime scene essentially at times? Or I, or I yeah, suppose you wouldn't I mean, see if it was a crime scene or not? Yes and no. And give me a second to think of the wording because I don't really want to be cruel. Sure. But sometimes when you get into a situation like that, not all the body parts are present, depending on what happened. Right. So you may be at a car accident where a leg got ripped off and the police haven't found it yet. So you're out there with flashlights in the middle of the night. You're scoping the woods or something and you're helping the police try and find that leg. You know, stuff like that. And that would be unsettling. And not so much the imagery of what was going on. But the worry of what could happen is like this street's not shut down yet. Yeah. The family knows what's going on. People could be driving up here any second because when that happens, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. You know, family's there. Relatives know. It's on Facebook. People think it's a sight to see. It's not a sight to see. If Were you ever people... around for that? Like, I mean, when family would show up and uh-huh. what kind of stuff happens? I mean, what do they do? I never saw anything really of note, just a lot of question asking, a lot of shock, right. you know. The Getting person, in the way of, yeah, of what the people happened, trying to do their jobs. Why and... can't I see the body? Um, 
but then there were instances i think one time there was an overdose and the people watched this gentleman overdose wow. you know at the, at the house and they were all just sitting there watching tv when we got there They're like yeah he died what? in the back room yeah so they what, were, so so they they were not family members necessarily they were just his roommates I, kind I of i wouldn't thing. know the relationship okay. um you know we can't ask yeah but yeah the person had overdosed and when we went to remove the remains yeah the family was just sitting there watching tv or I shouldn't say family whoever it was yeah. right yeah yeah you know was just sitting there watching tv and you know? it was that hard not to in a way like say like did you get disgusted in that moment of them like i mean do you feel yourself like angry at them no because like i said i didn't know the relationship maybe okay. if it was you know I knew who they were in relationship I don't to care, them. I care but, who it is. Yeah. It's almost like just to see someone, you know, in yeah. trouble like that, not doing, I don't know, to be able to just watch TV yeah. while it's in your house. Well, and it could even be their, you know, their coping mechanism. Sure. You know, because one misconception about funeral service and people dying is, you know, there's five stages of death. You know, everybody says that. It's not. Everybody grieves differently. Sure. Some people retreat into themselves, don't talk for a year. I got a lot of people coming up to me saying, is it strange I haven't cried yet? It's like, oh, oh, really? You know, yeah. Everybody does it their own way. You know, maybe that's their coping mechanism. Maybe they're used to having people die in the back room. I don't know. Joe Steinhauser asks, I'd ask them, how sorts of twisted do you have to be to want to be a mortician? Joe Steinhauser, you dick. Um, he was saying, how basically, how fucking twisted do you have to be to, I think, to be a mortician? Honestly, in, in, I think it's almost the opposite. I think yeah. you actually need to be pretty even keeled yeah. in a way because you're going to deal with so much tumult his vibe and his energy whatever is exactly what i would like it's not what i stereotypically thought that a mortician would be but it's perfect for like I, it you're an even keeled guy you're with very... a twisted soldier by the way i can totally see the military no just the, 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 I can't, the kind of I matter of fact that. christmas we're just but like yes. nope, that's what you do you got to get your job yep. done you know yeah for sure no that's no, true but for I, sure. to answer his question i don't think it you know anything twisted it's just a skill i have like yeah i can never be a mechanic to save my life i've yeah i've tried tinkering with cars i've tried changing cut tires You're so sad when they die how about yeah. a male porn star huh? i've tried to my that before okay that's how i met my wife yeah <laughs> um has a body ever fell on the floor James Schultz asks, has a body ever He's fell asking on the, the floor? drowning pool question. And then he says, let the body hit the floor. It did once, yeah, I can think of it. I was uh, removing the body from the... Uh, like a swimmer just fell out? Just no, I, I slipped on the ice. Oh, oh, sure. So I was coming out of the, a hospital during a storm, and there was a ramp there, and I slipped, and I fell off the, uh, the ramp, and the body came down with me on the cart and everything, so... And it fucking slid. Hold on. So the actual body fell down to the. Well, to it the was ground. on the cot. You know, okay. it was, you know, you put it on the cot and you strap it down and everything, and you put the. Uh, like when they the drop a soccer cot. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I was wheeling the the decedent out of the hospital, and I slipped on the ice, and it was on the ramp, and everything came crashing down, and hurt my pride <laughs> more than anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Brandon Lee asks. Bodies make any weird noises? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they do. I mean, people die, you know, especially when the digestive system breaks down and everything. You know, all your abdominal cavity and thoracic cavity is all full of air. So it'll be, you know, bubbles popping. That, I believe, is going to be... I mean, are there any stories that... How about this? Let's end on a positive note. What's something that we should all go home and tell our loved ones to aid in a funeral... In a mortician's job, hmm. 
like like what what info could we tell our next of kin to make your job easier plan your plan your service by yourself don't let anybody else interfere with it and there are it's becoming more and more common people are pre-planning their funerals i know guys at 19 20 years old they already started paying for their funerals because it goes into an insurance bid. Yep. You get like a health whole savings policy. account kind yeah. of thing. So you, now, get a, you get a whole life policy out there, everybody. Yeah. Whole life is a – yeah, anyway, I can tell But, yeah, plan, plan your own funeral. Do it on your own. And then, you know, share your wishes with your family and everything. I personally have had my funeral planned for 12 years. So okay. What date you got picked out? I'm hoping <laughs> at least – I want to make it to 80, so. Yeah. What are you doing for your funeral? For my funeral? Mm-hmm. I have a scavenger hunt planned. Really? Yeah, I do. Are I did... you the ultimate prize? In it? No. no. <laughs> yeah, are you the prize yeah. or the vessel? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, I, you know, I got bored with funerals. Cut eight slits in my body and reach your hands in them. <laughs> Take one hit of Jenkum and yeah. find yeah. the diamond in my that, That's getting added. I'm throwing Jenkum. Somebody's yeah, doing yeah. Jenkum before, <laughs> before my stuff. service. But No, what I wanted, uh, I just want to be cremated. I don't want any service, but then I have directive for my family. I listed... Uh, it's up to 12 places in my life, you know, I've traveled all over, that really influenced me for different reasons. And I want my ashes spread at each of those locations. Oh. And I want family members to go, and then I want them, you know, to experience something I experienced there, whether they ever heard me tell a story about my favorite restaurant or something I like to do there. I want them to go and experience that. And they don't have to do it right away, just throughout the course of their life. So, If I said that, my wife would say, you're a narcissist. <laughs> So I'm going to go to the listener questions and we'll go. But I don't know that we got an answer. What's the worst damaged body that was still an open casket funeral? Yeah, yeah, that would be any time we got an organ donor. Okay, okay. I mean, because they come in and their bones are gone. Everything's gone. It's, you know, for lack of better terms, yeah, it's, it's a bloody mess. It's a bloody heap. Yeah. And there's no way to control that. So when you get that, it's literally, you know, they feel... What, what like pizza dough that's what the body feels like so you put them wow. on the, you put them on the embalming table and you treat them like any other embalming except without the uh without the bones and you know when they are taking out the bones it does rip arteries it does rip veins so you're injecting 20 30 different places in the embalming fluid and then when you're done with that then you do have to put in you know something to represent the bone some type of structure mm. And I always use PVC piping. Sure. You know, I never used wood, and the reason why was because wood splintered, and I never wanted to, you know, cut my glove open and cut my hand and have blood be on it. So right. I used something that, you know, was just solid. I wasn't going to hurt myself. I wasn't going to damage the body anymore. But, yeah, I mean, all the accidents I saw, everything, my personal experience, everything was, you know, clean cuts, simple breaks. Um the facial damage, this doesn't answer the listener, que- listener question, but usually facial damage was so bad, and that's the one the one thing that's going to keep you from having an open casket. Did you ever have one where you had to say to the family, like, look, he's got a giant, you know, a Zorro slash across his face, and I sewed it up. He should but never it's have like, been a bandito. That yeah, was on yeah. him. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, look, it's closed, but it looks terrible. Like, I mean, I really don't think we should do it. And where they said, okay, let's let's still do it, though. I've had that situation, but they did go against presenting to the public. Mm. They wanted to personally see, mm-hmm. so they were sure. able to, because they wanted that closure. But when it came to the wake and the funeral, then they did request it. So, what's the most damaged body in general that you ever saw outside of organ donation? Obviously, car crashes. Yeah, yeah. There actually, no. I take that back. Suicides 
depending on the type of suicide. Shotgun to the head. Yeah, because twelve you know, K to clean up. Yeah, like that, God. Yeah, that's actually a good one because you know in the movies it shows you know the back of the head coming out. Mm. It's not like that in real life. You know, somebody shoots themselves in the mouth, they're missing teeth, mm. their cheekbones are broken, their jaws cracked in half, their tongues everywhere, and you know you have to put all that back together one way, shape, or form. And yeah, we. We've done it. And that's, really? We've I mean, suicide caskets, is quite you know. common. Open caskets yeah. with a shotgun to the mouth. I wouldn't know the caliber okay. of weapon, but it was, I mean, sometimes you can just look at a body and be like, yeah, this dude shot himself. Right, right. So, do and, you, um, and I, I just want to take a moment here. You know, we're talking about suicide. Yeah. Anybody who's listening that's thinking about that, please get the help that yeah. you need. I mean, we're talking cavalier about it, but those were the worst for me personally. Suicides were. Oh, you've mentioned, you've mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, so if anybody... Why, why is that? I mean, Cause I, I guess later. I kind of have some ideas yeah. of why it be, but I'm curious why. Yeah, why you think. Just because they destroy families. Like I said, we yeah. never... You know, it solves that person's problem. It makes everything worse well, for everybody else. You're taking all the pain that you're in and you're transferring it, it to, to somebody family. else. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, we're with these people in just certain moments, the arrangements, the wake, the funeral. But we know darn good and well when this person leaves, they're not coping yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into suicide. There's mental illness. There's pain and just health people, problems. It just health is problems. Worse. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, and, and you it. probably, you probably appreciate the sheer scope of how relatively common it is. It is. It is. And like I said, anybody who's considering it, get help, you know, call, just walk up to a stranger on the street and say, I need help. Cause that's, that's how important human life is. When a, this is from Joey Vincent again, who's making a play to host this show. When a pregnant woman dies, what happens to the baby? Oh, yeah, I'm not touching that one. Okay. There's no way. They just It comes down to state laws and abortions, and I'm not going to go on record by any means. Oh, interesting. Saying, yeah, what that is. Well, now I'm confused. What? Yeah. Okay, okay. I think in, in his case, let's say for this case, if this helps the situation, let's say the mom and the baby, baby die together yeah i'm like uh, yeah i know okay there's like like little state laws there is there is state laws moral objections it all just kind of depends and uh, yeah i'm not okay i'm not okay fair enough i I gotta say i had never thought about that yeah like do you have the second small the second funeral for the kid or uh, yeah yeah i never thought about that in my entire life yeah, no, okay. I've, it's... The best answer I can give you is it's case by case, but I'm not going to go on the record and say this is what happens. Jessica Hobson asks, what was the most awesome tribute you've seen? Music played, yeah. items brought in, letter read. I don't can't think of anything that stands out. Usually okay. it's all clinical. Hey, that was our episode. Wasn't that good? Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for giving to the Patreon. I got I'm booking shows. So remember if you give to the Patreon, even, you know, five bucks a month, two bucks a month, whatever. Just whatever you got. Just one ten thousand dollar lump. Come by my house and empty your car ashtray change out <laughs> on the sidewalk. I'll come pick it up with my son. And uh <laughs> and uh just whatever you get free tickets to shows that I'm booking. Mm-hmm. I love seeing people out at shows. I love talking about myself and receiving attention. Um but no, it's just it's it's really fun. I love meeting listeners out, and um, also you get a T-shirt, which I mean you should feel the cotton on these things. My God, Tevin's nipping out every day in these things. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, if I don't wear an undershirt, mm-hmm. it pokes right through. Absolutely, the fashion, fashion these are nice. 
quality imported from northeast minneapolis northeast minneapolis yep absolutely so uh come on down if you have a podcast or you want to hear about that go to nbcstudios.com nbcmulticast.com nbcmulticast.com because the nbcstudios.com was like ten thousand dollars to buy so we had to improvise so please give to the Patreon so we can raise that 10K <laughs> yep. for that address. No. All right. Thank you guys very much. See ya.